What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Face, episode 30, right here on Sifted Games. Matt and I, we were just talking about Fallout 4 again. Again. I mean, we talked about I it for what, for like while. an hour <laughs> last week's show? And we still had a lot more to talk about. This is an anecdote. You're probably wondering where the hell our gaming vow is for Fallout 4. Well, so <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> crazy what's happened to me with this game. So I went to Diamond City. Anyone who's playing the game knows Diamond City at this point. At least I'm assuming you, you would know what Diamond City is. And so they told me to go there when I'm first playing the game. And I go there, and I go to enter Diamond City, and I just get annihilated. Literally, the guards just shoot me, and the bots shoot me and kill me. I keep trying to get in, and I keep getting killed. So I'm like, okay, I'm not high enough level to get in here yet. So I leave. I go, and I basically complete every side quest in the game, thinking that a lot of them were actually a part of the main quest. Until the only thing left on the map was Diamond City. It was the only mission icon I was getting on the entire map. So I'm like, all right, I guess it's time to go there. I think I can probably beat the guards now. So I go to Diamond City, and they just let me walk in. Like, there had been a bug in the game, I think, that had turned them against me and tried to ki- they tried to kill me when I went in there. I haven't actually gone to Diamond City yet, so I don't know. <laughs> So I literally dumped like 30 hours into playing side missions in this game and like I literally just like the day before yesterday started playing through like the main part of the game again. So I guess one thing I'll say is when our gamey vow is done, it will be thorough. I will have oh, yeah. canvassed every nook and cranny of that game. So you'll be able to trust no my surprises. opinion. <laughs> There's nothing left. The map yeah. is just done. So Anyway, that kind of explains what's going on with our game eval for that game. I need to finish it because obviously I need to move on to other things. Another thing I want to mention off the top of the show is that we have started a community on PSN for Sifted. Some of you guys have already found it, actually. I think there's like 40 or 50 people who have already joined the community. I'm on there. Did you get on there? Yeah. Uh, So some of you have found it, but if you haven't already, uh, jump on PSN. I think you can search for communities, right? I think so. I, the only communities I joined are ones was like, your friends are all part of this community. You should join. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know them. Sure. Yeah. Like, so I made like four things popped up, yeah. including Sifted. Well, search. Okay, so search for Sifted, and you should be able to find it. But join up. It's a cool little thing. that I can't believe that they haven't done this already with like Xbox Live or something like that. It's it a really cool idea. It's kind of a no-brainer, but I don't know. Xbox Live is still playing catch-up to last-gen system. So. Yeah, but I mean, Xbox Live is usually the trailblazer for that stuff. Like, PSN's always been the one that's been playing catch-up. Yeah, well, maybe they need to get their party system to work first. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know. So, anyway, everybody jump in there and join. That means we can all party up and play games together. Um, we've already got, like I said, a couple dozen people in there. So jump on in and join the crew. I'll see if I've got any other announcements for you guys. Uh, Gifted still in the works. It's almost done. Uh, our engineer, Brent, has been working really hard on the forums, and you guys have been giving him feedback, but they're pretty much done. Like, the forums are looking real good. They're working real good. Make sure you go in there and use them. Um, obviously, you guys, have, you guys have been asking for them for a long time, and they're there. So if you haven't tried them yet, make sure you go in and give them a whirl. Uh, but we got a lot of stuff to get to. So with that, let's get to the big six. All right, Matt, so VR is a big, big topic. It was a big topic that we covered with uh, Michael Pactor on mm-hmm. Pactor Factor. Um, he had some interesting things to say about it. It seems like right now VR is kind of, everyone's, it's kind of divisive and polarizing. Like one oh, publisher. Wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> like next year, I think we're going to have a lot of big six topics about VR. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Especially once it, once it launches and we're yeah. like playing with it like every week or whatever. Um, and some publishers seem to be like really in on it, and then there's EA. And so this week, EA, I believe it was his, their CFO, or its CFO, came out and basically said that EA is going to take a wait-and-see approach with VR. Matt, do you think that's the right tactic to take for a big publisher like EA? 
Mm, I think it might be the right tactic for EA. Yeah? EA is so risk-averse, and EA doesn't, you know... The most risky thing EA ever does is puts games on Nintendo systems. Like that's, <laughs> and that's yeah. really pretty low-level risk. Another topic that Pactor covered on right. this week's show. But um, it doesn't really surprise me, just because, you know, I mean, they're also... They're very focused on their yearly products and what they're putting out and what they, you know, what they want to turn into their kind of like renew, you know, renewable resource franchises, and they don't really care about like a new thing that's going to be like. They, it seems like EA doesn't want to divert manpower to something that might not last forever. You know what I mean? And like, so if they they don't want to like divert power and resources to like making a game that's a new series based around VR, and like if VR turns out to be a permanent fixture in video games, maybe they'll jump in on it. But like, I can. It doesn't really surprise me that they're playing wait and see, considering how their com- how that company kind of rolls. Think about a game like Mirror's Edge, though. Isn't that game custom made for VR? Uh, it's certainly custom made to make me nauseous. I mean, if I, when I, mean. I was a little kid and people would say <laughs> virtual reality, and in my mind's eye, that is the game that I would come up with. That type of game, because yeah. even has like kind of the real simple like architecture and color palettes, kind of like the early VR games that you have to go and pay like. $20 at the arcade to play. Actual nightmare. Yeah, exactly, and they sucked. But, yeah. uh, so, here's the thing about this, though. is like, I don't know if, like, VR is the thing that you can kind of wait and see about. Like, it's something that you need to, like, work with for a long time to start figuring out, like, the ins and outs of it and figure out how it's going to work well. Well, I guess that kind of goes to, you know, just because they're not specifically putting anything out, does that mean they're not playing around with it internally? He, I mean, he kind of mentioned, like... You know, he didn't say, well, we have, mm-hmm. like, these R&D teams working on it. We're investigating yeah. it. Like, he just basically said, like, it's risky. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit back and watch. I guess part of it is, like, look, look at their stable. And, like, you know, outside of something, you know, Mirror's Edge would still have to be its own version to, you know, of VR. And they're like, you know, what's their bread and butter? Like, VR Madden? Yeah. Like, I would play VR Madden. I'm, sh- I'm sure you would. But, like, EA, I'm sure at this point, is afraid to put out something that doesn't work well. You know, I, I bet they're waiting until, you know, I bet you wouldn't see a VR Madden until VR has been established for, like, two years. That's a shame. Because that game, that is that could be, like, a killer app for VR. Could be. Like, Madden could be the game that gets the casual people to actually jump in and buy PlayStation VR or buy an Oculus. That'd have to be a really good Madden. So. I mean, I don't think it does. I think it could be really simple. Like, it, I mean, you're right. Like, generally what EA does is they create separate products for stuff like this. Like... Mm-hmm. They created, like, the Wii-ified version of Madden the one year. And actually, that kind of had a little bit of the VR stuff in it. Like, you could just play as, like, the quarterback. And, like, I feel like they are maybe dabbling in it a little mm-hmm. bit there. And they kind of have that groundwork like that laid idea. down. And, I mean, you could just make it simple. Like, you just play the quarterback. And so you take mm-hmm. the snap, you go back, you either hand it off or you, or you throw the ball. Like, or you can yeah. just play the receiver. Like, like, like a quarterback, like, hall, like, like a history of quarterbacking kind of thing where you can play like the great quarterbacks through time. That would be, that's a great in like, idea. In like really big games, you know. And like not maybe, like maybe it's not the $60 Madden product for that year. Maybe it's like a $20 like, you know, NFL Hall of Fame sponsored by Madden kind of thing where you just get to experience some of this stuff. Like that thing that was, that you, you curated on Sifted a couple days ago where it was like you can just go walk up Everest. Yeah. You know, like stuff like, experiences like that. Experiential things, yeah. I would I would do that, and I'm not even a huge football fan. I would I think that would be interesting to see all that see stuff from Joe Montana's point of view. Because right now there is like a really crappy sports game being made for Oculus, and it's mm-hmm. it's very simple. Like you just play like one position, and there's like it's like multiple sports. There's like football and hockey. It looks terrible though. Like mm. graphically, it looks terrible, and 
chances are the gameplay is probably going to be terrible too because they don't have a lot of experience in making sports games and that's a very nuanced genre. It's right. very hard to just jump in and make a sports game and go from like zero to sixty. Yeah. Like but imagine like imagine if they really nail it one day and you can play like baseball with your friends. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm. Like, that'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. Like nine against nine, like yeah. people in VR playing online, like. For stuff like that, I'm willing to take the graphical hit because the experience is so rich and so rewarding. It's like, it doesn't need to look as good for me to enjoy it as much as I would have enjoyed just playing Madden sitting on my yeah. couch. Like, I'll accept Wii level graphics for something like that. Right. It's, you know, just, just as certainly as in the first gen of VR. But here's the thing. So other publishers, and look, these other third-party publishers are competitors to EA, like Ubisoft. Ubisoft is all in on VR. It's got on the record multiple times mm-hmm. that it is, that it's working on multiple projects for it. So, you know, to me, EA sitting back and letting sort of all the other third-party publishers be the guinea pigs for this, they may think it's smart fiscally in the short term, meaning, you know, maybe they lose their ass next year on a VR game that they release, mm. but the learning that takes place while we're making those games will pay dividends on, in my opinion, will pay dividends on down the road. So, sure, Ubisoft may make some Rabbids, like, VR game, which they actually are making, and that was at E3, and they make that game, and sure, it sells 20,000, 30,000 copies. Maybe it doesn't even recoup what they put into it. But what they learn on that game is going to pay dividends in the next game. And then that pays dividends on the next game. And it's like this snowball rolling downhill that gets bigger. And the bigger it gets, the more snow it attracts until you're making the best VR games. And mm-hmm. so for me, I feel like it's very short-sighted for EA to basically come out and say that they're not going to support it. I don't know. I I mean, I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I think probably EA's philosophy is like, um, you know, maybe the game's hope. I mean, I'm sure they're hoping that they'll learn from other companies' mistakes and be able to put it, you know, put that knowledge to use when they make their VR games. But their big thing, I think, is that you know they come in late, but they come in after all this the the you know the basic stuff has been figured out, bugs have been worked out, and they step in with Star Wars, Madden, Mass Effect. You know, FIFA, like all these huge, huge games, huge licenses too. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing is like maybe EA. You know, you want to lead with something like Madden or Star Wars that was gonna, is going to get eyeballs on you. But you know, at this point, what if what if they're a little gun shy about doing that with licenses? You know, like what if that's like a you know if you fuck up that Star Wars game, is anyone going to trust your VR again? You know, it, it's. I, I wonder if if after they've sort of you know you've seen EA kind of go through these phases where they had to kind of admit, okay, Medal of Honor's not working. Let's, like, back off of that. You know, Hardline didn't really work. Let's, like, back off. You know, maybe they're kind of sitting back and saying, all right, let's get the temperature of things before we decide which direction we're going to break. Well, they did just pretty much gift Jade Raymond, like, $500 million (laughs) with a studio to start, like, a brand new IP. I mean, that's pretty risky. Yeah. But, like, that's a risk that EA has always kind of taken every few years. You know, every once in a every few years, EA does that thing where they're like, we're doing all these crazy things. Like we're making another Mirror's Edge. Like we're doing, you know, we, like we're going crazy. We're doing stuff that doesn't make sense. We're just gonna make Dead Space. We're just, what is this game? Who knows? You know, and like, and then they, and they kind of pull it all back, and everything gets very predictable for a few years, and then they like, kind of decide to have another renaissance. And I think they're they're moving towards that right now. You know, with, with Mirror, Mirror's Edge two and some of their weirder stuff, but um, and you know, arguably uh, Garden Warfare, stuff like that. But um. I think with VR, I just it just seems like EA doesn't want to get burned on that if it turns out to be another PlayStation move. Here's the other angle, and this is strictly for the conspiracy theorists out there, is that who makes all the decisions at EA regarding software and things like that? Peter Moore. Yeah. 
Peter Moore, where did Peter Moore used to work? Microsoft. So who did EA align with to create, e to debut EA Access? Microsoft. So but you think who, maybe they're... But who, who has all the promotional stuff on Battlefront, Sony? Yeah. They split, they split it pretty evenly. I don't know. It just feels like there's some. It just doesn't make sense to me that they would be like the one publisher that's like, no, we're not going to do this. Like, maybe they just don't. Maybe they're skeptical. I mean, I I, I mean, don't, I don't know too. if this stuff is going to sell. You know, it could it could be just it could be PlayStation Move all over again. It could be, you know, it could be the Connect all over again. It could be just this thing that. But looks this is like way cool. bigger than either of those things. It will be eventually. I think it already is, though. You think? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, just if you just look at the raw amount of dollars that have been put into R and D. Oh, for that, sure. But in terms of like where the rubber meets the road, where all of a sudden you know consumers are looking there, oh, you want four to five hundred dollars for this? Well, maybe we'll just see what it is later on. You know, I I think uh, and look, I think EA's attitude is going to be the same attitude as many, 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 many consumers at retail. And look, I think he's right. Like you know, I think most publishers who put out VR games next year are not going to make a lot of money on their VR games. Mm -hmm. Like their the install base is going to be low. It's going to take a while for up for uptick for those headsets to get out there. He's right in that they, the chances are they're not going to make money on any VR games next year. But again, I just feel like you have to kind of lay that foundation and start learning how to make VR games before you can make a great VR game. Because to me, all they're doing is delaying their ba- their first bad VR game, mm. <laughs> like where they can get it out of the way next year and make something, or maybe make something really simple. Because you got to figure everyone's going to take their lumps next year making VR. Then in 2017. All those people who took their lumps in 2016 are going to start making some kick-ass games. And if for EA to jump in that market then, while everybody else is running full speed, and for them to just get in, getting off the starting blocks, like I just, I'm surprised because EA is doing really, really well, like financially. And so in some ways, I feel weird arguing with them because you know it's like you're wrong, but your business is doing great. Like it's hard to tell somebody <laughs> that. But at the same time, I do feel like this is one situation where they're being very short-sighted, but maybe they just feel like, hey, we're rolling in dough right now, we're doing well enough, we don't need VR. Mm-hmm. And that, could, that could be it. Maybe they just don't feel they need it, no need to rock the boat. If it becomes the next big thing, we'll get on board because we have to. Because they can't come out and say that they hate it, because they're partners with Sony, right? and they need that partnership for their other games like Battlefront. So mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to burn that bridge and come out and say, we think VR is going to be a miserable failure. So this maybe this is the best way that they can put it right now. And it's super interesting to me that like you know I wonder what that meeting was like when they told Sony right like, that's what I'm not, saying we're not making anything for PlayStation VR right like, because you know that's a, a symbiotic relationship they both mm-hmm. need each other so I'm sure Sony went to them and was like hey man like we've been hooking you up like you know we promote your games we signed this big deal with Battlefront to promote Battlefront on yeah. our platform. Like, I want to see some, some footballs in my face. Exactly. Right in my face. And, and I like, mean, man. that's a complicated relationship they got going on there. Yeah. So I'm sure Sony's put pressure on them to put out something for PlayStation VR. And here we are. EA's basically saying, sorry, Charlie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll be a lethal mistake if it turns out to be a mistake. Yeah, but, it's not uh, going to crush EA's yeah. stock price or anything. Like, But it's, it's also interesting to me that they're the only ones doing this. And maybe I'm just being selfish and I want to play EA's games in VR because maybe. to me, like, you know, I'm really into sports and I do love football and I would love to play a VR Madden game or, I'd love, again, Mirror's Edge. Like, to me, that game mm-hmm. is perfect for VR if you can hold your food down while you play it. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, maybe, maybe you'll get to play uh, Backbreaker VR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we know how that worked out last time. Yeah, I was guess. Mm. <laughs> not so good. Not so Great much. physics, not so much anything else. No. But it is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because we are at the point where everyone's placing their bets now. And like I said, Ubisoft has placed a big bet. They shoved their chips into the center of the table. EA t- took his money and went and cashed out yeah. at the cashier. Ubisoft's like, pretty fearless in general. Though. It is fearless. I mean, it, it also supported the Wii U when a lot of other publishers weren't, and it got burned by that. Yep. But I feel like you do have to be fearless in this industry, or otherwise you get left in mm-hmm. the dust. And well, look how far Ubisoft has come in like the last 15 years. Like, no one talked about Ubisoft when you know when I started in this business. No, you're and, right. Like, and now they're like one of the big three. You know, big three third-party publishers. They're you know they they clawed their way up to the top by taking tons and tons of risks that paid off. Well, I mean, honestly, it was all done by Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Until Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft was known as a good publisher, but not good great. Good publisher. They did, you know, top they classy stuff. It's decent fun. game here and it's there. Right. Like, I it's bought good. all the Rainbow Six games. Everybody likes like, Rayman, you know. It's, right. Rayman. it's weird. It's that kind of French thing. It's cool. Right. You know. But and once Assassin's Creed hit, that's yeah. when Ubisoft went from, all right, to, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Assassin's Creed in conjunction with, like, just... The massive amounts of money they made off of the Wii. Yeah. With their, their shovelware. Yeah. Program, a lot of people made basically. money off of the Wii. Yeah. And that's probably what convinced Ubisoft to jump in early with the Wii U as well. They're like, we took a risk with the Wii, it paid off. Not so much with the Wii U, no. unfortunately. But they tried. They did try. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, the next six months are going to be really interesting to see how everything plays out with VR. I'm excited as all get out for VR. I don't know about you sifters, but I'm really, really pumped for it. I can't wait for it to get here. Every time I've tried it, I've loved it. I've not bought an Oculus Rift like kit. Have you? Do you own one? No. No? no. I don't even know if I want to spend money on them next year for the retail version. Well, the funny point. thing is, is it turned out like when the prices came out for those development kits, like I was like, oh my god, like sticker shock. Well, as it turns out like the retail units may not be all that much cheaper. No, they're not much less than that. <laughs> so it's kind of surprising like how perspective changes over mm-hmm. time, but uh, it's certain to be the biggest story in games for 2016. Whether the whether it succeeds or it fails, yeah. This time next year, we'll be talking about it. Either that, when or we start um, wrapping up oh, the yeah. year. Either that or the uh, the launch of the NX. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that could be another, like, <laughs> one of those extremes where it's either going to, like, go a gangbusters or mm-hmm. be a total failure. There's gonna, E3 is going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how they make room for VR because mm-hmm. so far VR has been this thing that, like, only the journalists behind closed doors could do. Like, right. like Ubisoft... Like, had how little, do you demo that? Right. Like, Ubisoft had, like, a little Rayman thing outside of their booth, but otherwise it was just E3 business as usual. Sony does have, like, that whole kind of upstairs place where mm-hmm. they have, like, Morpheus, or now it's PlayStation VR. But, like, you had to know a PR person, and you had to, like, get a number and an appointment and then come back, and, like, they check you and you get a wristband. Yeah. It's, like, this crazy, like, thing to get in and check I mean, it everybody out. normally gets, like, the PAX Plague or whatever these things. Are you going to start getting lice? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, is somebody going to start cleaning these damn VR things off yeah. between sessions? Because that's a thing. Yeah. But, I mean, look, they can't... They they can't afford to do the we're gonna keep it upstairs thing no. for like you need, you need to get every, you need it the needs word to be out. down on the floor so every single person who comes into E3 has access to it and can easily access it and it's not like this velvet rope thing like they've been doing mm-hmm. for the last couple E3s so lots of interesting angles for VR over the next year sure also, be one of the big stories one of the, just so hard to demo like just to get across what you're supposed to be seeing because if you're not seeing it in 2D if you're not seeing it how you're supposed to see it. It's just going to look like a kind of not great looking. It game. looks like a last gen game, basically. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one is like, you know, how they have like the two screens showing at once. Like, that doesn't really sell it either. No. <laughs> like, you don't get it until you put it on. You don't. Yeah. And I don't know how they're going to 
get around that. And I think most of the people who are skeptical, including sifters, like who are skeptical about VR, I'm guessing a lot of them have just never tried it. Because once yeah. you do try it, like it is compelling as all get out. Like, oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very convincing. That, the, the EA thing is only disappointing to me in the sense that like, I really want an X-Wing TIE Fighter yeah. Like dogfighting game in VR because it would that would I'd pay five hundred dollars for that. Yeah. So I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a shill for the, for the Star Wars thing, but it's like, hey, at least uh, you're honest. Yeah. Like I <laughs> yeah I would totally buy that if you let me play Star Wars on it. But like if you don't, then I'm gonna think longer. Yeah. And that's bad for the VR people. You're right. You're right. That is don't like, let me think. That VR will be the ultimate impulse buy. Yeah. I mean, it is going to be one of true. either that or one of those things that everybody gets at the holidays because people can't typically afford to just drop. 500 bucks mm. at the drop of a hat. But that's the so. thing is I think, you know, there's a good chunk of people who once they experience it will be like, yes, I need this. And that's why I'm but saying But the thing like, is you have to, how do you get that to people? How do you set it up at Best Buy? Do you yeah. have a Sony or an Oculus employee at every Best Buy 24-7 sitting there wiping off the headset, corralling the line? Like I would. I would, I would do it up as like a full like boutique purchase kind of thing. You know, I would be, it would be a whole like the white glove treatment, basically, yeah. you know, like I like can make it like a like you know, almost like you're trying to sell them a car. Yeah, you know, like I kind of like it to selling shoes though. Like <laughs> you have like the or like working at a bowling alley, you have like the disinfectant spray that you spray <laughs> in the shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Controllers are bad enough, man. When people are putting stuff on their heads, yeah. I don't know about all that. There's some there's some things you don't want contact with. Exactly. What do you do? do You have to put like a shower cap on first. (laughs) You might. Are there going to be like a thing? I mean, it may have like a like a PlayStation logo on it. You take it with you when you leave. Like, there's all kinds of cool stuff they can do. (laughs) But it's like, (laughs) it's the dumbest souvenir ever. People will love it, and they'll sell them on eBay for a hundred dollars. Official PlayStation VR shower cap. Shower cap. All right, let's move on to the next topic of the big six. So, censorship has been a big story in games. It's actually been a bigger story of late. All these little kind of stories have been dropping over the last, like, five or six months. And I think it finally reached a point this week where we wanted to compile them all into one topic of the big big six and talk about all of them. Because censorship, if you want to consider games as art, censorship is always going to be a hitch point. It's always going to be a problem. Well, uh, for, see, here's I know people use it to say this isn't censorship. Censorship requires a government entity. Censorship yeah. means like the government will throw them in jail if they don't change it. This is creative choices. Well, is we'll get into it. So, first game we want to talk about is Xenoblade Chronicles X for the Wii U. So this is a JRPG. It's been out in Japan for a while, and as you're seeing on the screen right now, the, there's one character in the game that, according to the game is 13 years old and you can see there also there's one of our sifters who was mentioned in this video by youtube channel censored gaming it's kind of funny stealth you guys probably all know from uh from the site so basically the real hang up with this is that according to the game the girl is 13 years old now there you can see how they've changed her for the u.s version and i would say on the right she looks like she's 13. yeah on the left not so much really yeah, she's an anime 13. Right. And so, I really, is it the hang-up, though, that they've said that she's 13? Because, I mean, if they'd said she's 18 or 19 or 20, like, I would look at that and be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, like, she's a little, she's kind of an underdeveloped, you know, clearly you see what they're targeting here. Um, I don't care. Like, that's, you know, it's it's just, a, it's a creative, it's, I mean, creative choice, I don't know, an editing decision that they made because Nintendo tries to be family-friendly on this side of the ocean and, you know... 
thirteen-year-olds in bikinis, or like you know, basically, I don't know what you call that—some kind of lingerie <laughs> thing. Get up, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not Nintendo of America's image, and that's not censorship. It's just Nintendo of America decided that. But that's it's Nintendo not of Japan's image. I mean, that game is out in yeah, Japan, Japan, just J- like that. Yeah, but Japan is a different culture. Japan doesn't freak out about stuff like that, and you know, there are American families who might. And I have no interest in putting the 13-year-old character in a bikini anyway, so I would never have noticed if someone hadn't said anything in the first place. But if somebody wouldn't have told you that that character was 13, would you have thought that she was 13? Uh, I would have thought she was definitely underage. Really? Yeah. See, I don't get that from it at all. I do. Like, I mean, I mean maybe it's just my familiarity with like anime art style or whatever, but it's like, yeah, that's clearly a, a younger ch- character. Like, like, she looks like... High school girl to me, which probably isn't much it's, better. It's in all still honesty. underage in most <laughs> yeah. most states. Most states, yeah. Well, not, I guess most states are sixteen, but still, she looks younger than sixteen to me in terms, of, you know, because once you hit eighteen, if you're an anime character, you get gigantic boobs. So uh, you can tell, like, when they hit that, <laughs> that line. Well, that's funny. So here's another part of Xenoblade Chronicles X: is that they've also taken out the ability when you create a character to adjust the breast size of the character. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Because there's no age attached there. No, you are. Yes, your character you're making. Right. Yeah. Um, again, like it's you know yeah it's better to have more options, but it's Nintendo. Like it's you know that's Nintendo isn't a big breast slider company <laughs> in this country. Like that's it's like what did you expect? Like I, that's what I, you know they used to change stuff all the time for years. I'm having a problem. For, for years you couldn't have a cross in a Nintendo game because they didn't want any religious imagery. I mean it's it, it that's just what Nintendo does. Yeah, but I, I get that part of it, but I don't get how you're drawing the distinction between Nintendo of Japan and Nintendo of America. Nintendo of America's audience is Americans and Nintendo of Japan's audience is Japan. <laughs> like Japan doesn't care about that stuff. Like, but whereas, Japan, if you actually look at like sexuality, like Japan is generally like far more like apprehensive about it. Like, you know, their porn is like blurred out and like mm-hmm. you know, as far as sex is concerned, generally America and the West is a little more open with that stuff than Japan is. Open societally, but not open in a in a in like kind of the entertainment we expect our children to consume. And video games, for better or worse, are still kind of considered children's entertainment, especially when they come from Nintendo. And if someone, you know, that's what Nintendo of America is doing here, is I think they think if they, you know, they put this game out and they, and you, you know, you know, you buy it for little Johnny or whatever, and he's the first thing you see when he puts it in is he's making this character and wiggling her boobs back and forth all the whole time. Like people are gonna phone, people are gonna call. Well, the first you know? thing and I would say about and that, I, yeah, yeah, it's bullshit that like that's a thing that you have to worry about when you're marketing a product, uh, an entertainment product in America, but it's still not censorship. It's a choice that Nintendo's making to avoid this sort of moral panic thing that could potentially blow up if this gets you know into the hands of people that don't know any better. And, you know, they've always done it. Nintendo's always done stuff like that. Yeah, they've going right back to Mortal Kombat with the blood. Uh, with the sweat. Do, okay, so how do you consider that? Like the Mortal Kombat blood thing? Do you consider that censorship? No, because the government didn't so force them to do it. So what would you ever call censorship in a video game? Like, in, like in Australia where, and Germany where they force you to make the blood green. Or like you but can't release But that's what they do with Mortal Kombat. No, it's not. You could, you, they weren't going to stop that from being released in America. I'm missing your logic here somehow. Like, censorship requires a, a, a governing body that can throw you in jail or suppress you if you don't do what they want you to do. Right. That's what free speech is. It says, I can say whatever I want, I'll disagree with whatever, and the government can't imprison me for it. That's censorship. This is, you, no one can force Nintendo You're to make this You're using the dictionary de- definition of... The actual meaning of the word, yes. If you just want it to mean, like, 
they changed a thing that I didn't want them to change. If that's what censorship is to you, then that's not what we're talking. I mean, I mean that's not censorship. I'm not even saying I cared that they changed. Right. It. I'm just like that's often what the term is used to meaning, especially in gaming. Is you know in terms of localization, you know we used to you say that all the time when I was a kid too. Like oh they censored Mortal Kombat, but they didn't. Like the government didn't say like if you release Mortal Kombat with blood, we will th- we will fine your company, we will take you down. We you know the FCC will sue you. Like you know that's not what's happening. They are literally doing this but to what? avoid. They're doing this because they want to avoid having a problem that loses them market share. So wait a minute. Let's 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 rewind here a second. So what if they did put out Xenoblade Chronicles X with a thirteen year old? girl mm-hmm. that they say is 13 in the game and she's dressed like that you don't think the government would come to nintendo and be like you need to take that out or we're like gonna shut your your distribution of this game down no really no really there's no law against that i don't I think there is and if there is it's new and it would have to be porn it wouldn't be a game it would just, you know 13 year old in a bikini is a little iffy but it's not like you know, Nintendo could also go back and say, "Well, what, why, why are you sexualizing this? Like, you, know, you know, we didn't mean it like that." You know, you, well, you, you, but a like, girl but, in but that's, like that's lingerie. The thing. It's, it's a creative work. <laughs> Games are a protected speech form. Like that has already been established by by the Supreme Court. Like you can't, you know, in the same way that you can't well, throw someone child in, pornography is illegal. I yeah, mean, but that's not that's not a real person. So like, then that's a big thing in Japan right now. Is that is possibly going to become illegal? Is drawing children in sexual situations, which probably should which be, probably illegal. should be. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. But like right now, like you know, maybe it could that could lead to the creation of that law here. But that would be uh, a very unusual thing to happen. I mean, the, fir- the, the First Amendment. I mean, isn't Nintendo uh, just trying to avoid sanctions from the government by taking this out? No, they're trying to avoid backlash from their audience. They're trying to avoid backlash from... Well, it could from be a little both, backlash. Right? No, it's, I, I think it's 99% we don't want backlash from parents and our customers. Like, maybe 1% we're worried the government's going to notice. Well, first of all, I would love to watch really a little kid here. play Xenoblade Chronicles X. Because the game will kick a little kid's ass sideways. It is, like, one of the most complicated games. Well, what kind games? of kid has that kind of attention span? Exactly. Anyway, I mean, that's, I mean I, that's another reason I think people are upset about this stuff. Is like, yeah, this yeah, game isn't for it's kids. It's not for that audience. Yeah. But Nintendo will always consider that audience in the same way that, like, did you and I need friend codes to protect us from going online in the week? No. But, like, that's not the audience. We're not the audience they're thinking about. And that's always going to be forefront in the mind of someone that makes a choice like this when they bring in the same thing with the Fatal Frame thing, you know, are a lot of eight-year-olds going to play Fatal Frame? You know, are parents going to download the horror game and be shocked that there's bras in it? Because that was also quote-unquote censored. Exactly. But again, it's just Nintendo of America doesn't want, you know, overtly sexual content in their games. In America. America, Released in America, unless it's, it's Samus's ass in a in a skin tight leotard, I guess. I don't. I don't know. But but he's like, yeah. You see some stuff that kind of like they're a little hypocritical about that. Here exactly. Yeah. But like, Maybe that's what I was trying to get at. Is it is it's not consistent? I would agree with that. It's definitely not consistent. And you know, very. It's it. It's weird. What like companies suddenly decide is like the new thing they're they're going to have to like take out to avoid controversy. Uh, and then, of course, they leave something in that actually does become... <laughs> at the yeah. time, it's like, oh, that actually... <laughs> everyone's fine with that. It's this other thing you did. That yeah. <laughs> it was the thing you should have taken out. Sorry. You know. All right, we've got a bunch of games to talk about on this topic, so let's move on. The next one is Dungeon Travelers 2. So this is... And this gets into a little bit more of like... A I've never more. heard of this one. So well, it's a Japanese fair. RPG, and it's highly sexualized. It's M-rated. Not many mm-hmm. JRPGs are M-rated. And basically what happened was Xseed was bringing it over... 
and they ended up having to change out like four images in the game. So it is a really sexual game. Like there's lots of still anime images mm-hmm. of girls, and this is what I wanted to talk about is the whole chibi thing. So in this game, like you can see some of the art from the game in this trailer that we're showing right now. You know, it's I, I feel like this game was censored because the West doesn't get Japanese art style with the whole chibi thing. Like it may look to a lot of people in the West that these girls are young or whatever, but in a lot of the mm. artists' minds who draw these girls, they're actually not. <laughs> yeah. So this is the type of stuff that we're talking about with this game. So. <laughs> So I feel like part of it is that they're not getting like the whole chibi thing. They see it and they're like, that girl's like five years old. But the artist who draws it, the girl's actually supposed to be... She's supposed to be 15. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, they're all... You know, all the girls in anime are high school girls sometimes, it seems like. But like, I don't know. I mean, who's buying that? Is that only digital on Steam or well, something? Well, it is M-rated, so... Yeah. So, you know, so the whole child angle here is kind of thrown out the, out the window. Yeah. But like it's still the child angle on how old the girls are, that are being depicted that way still isn't, and right. you know that is a thing that's a big deal in America. And so if you're releasing that in America, I can see why you'd be a little gun shy about that. Because here's the especially thing if that... you can't alter the art to make them look older, because the audience is buying it because they like the art, right? Right. So you can't like just change it. Here's the thing about a lot of like Japanese RPGs is you see the characters and they look like the characters in this game that they're showing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, when they go to the cinemas, like, the characters are, like, 27-year-old women. But inside the game, they look like these little chibi characters. And a lot of it has to do with, like, the... Like, three, the, like the old Final Fantasies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of it has to do with hardware limitations and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, the 3DS can't render realistically. And even if the hardware limitations are gone now, that has kind of become, like, a style. Right. Anyway. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the West, in some ways, doesn't get that it's, like, an art style for a lot of Japanese games. It's not necessarily them being pervy and saying, oh, this is, like, a 12-year-old girl mm-hmm. or whatever dressed in a thong. It's it's the, the difference between, like, what the character is really imagined as, which you'll see in the CG a lot of times, or in, like, the full-motion anime sequences, and then what they look like in the game. Now, this one... Yeah, this, this one I think is is on the edge in that regard. And, and I will say, like, I'm not. If gonna... you really, really want to see anime girls in thongs, like, there's Google, folks. Yeah, there you know, is. I don't. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I I get the the kind of the upsetting nature of like, oh, they changed the thing I wanted to play, but like, is that really the most important thing of the thing you wanted to play? I was like, maybe maybe it's because I grew up in an era where like we were lucky to get games from Japan at all. Yeah. And one thing I will say about this game, too, is that one of the images that they took out of this game was, like, really burly. <laughs> Maybe burly is not the right word to use, but... It I don't was... see anything burly in this yeah, yeah. style. I don't know if you could do burly in this game. Well, I'm just saying, like, it was pretty off-putting. Like, it was literally, like, a shot Fine. of one of the girls with something in her mouth. And mm-hmm. then, like, they changed it for the U.S. version, and it's her mouth is closed, and there's, that thing is no longer in her mouth. So, <laughs> so I could see where this game, I feel like, is dicey. Like, I'm, I'm a conflicted about Xenoblade Chronicles X, but this one I, I kind of get. And at the end of the day, the changes weren't that big. It was literally, like, four still images that they changed for the U.S. version. So, Which I'm sure are on Google if you really need to see them. Exactly. So let's move on to the next one, which mm-hmm. is Street Fighter V. They debuted a brand-new character called Rainbow Mika. And uh, so this character... She's returning. Right, she's returning. She was in Street Fighter Ultra 3... Alpha Alpha 3. 3 Alpha 3. So... Fan, fan request for many, many years. Very obscure character that they brought back. Yeah. And so the big uproar this week was that before this girl pulls off her super, she slaps her butt. Mm-hmm. And it's like her big stylized thing before she pulls off her super or whatever. 
How do you feel about that, Matt? They've taken it out. Not only did they take that out, her super they've changed. So it used to be when she did her super, mm-hmm. and you'll see it eventually in this video, like her and a partner kind of slam their butts together, and the guy is in the middle. And in the the original version, when the, when the other character that was getting attacked came to the ground, his legs were split apart. Well, now when he comes down to the ground, his legs are, like, together. So they, there's the butt slap. And we're actually mm-hmm. going to show this, like, several times in a row here. <laughs> I had fun editing this one. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, to me, this is ridiculous, Matt. This is ridiculous. Taking this out of the game. Like, that's... My problem with this is that I don't care if they... I don't care if Armika slaps her butt or not. If you don't want to have... You know, it's weird that you would decide you you wanted it enough to put it in the, the, you know, the beta, and then you change your mind. But, like, my main problem is, like, the way they changed it is, like, it sucks. Like, Like, they just pan the camera up. Right. They didn't so actually it, change the animation. They didn't change the animation. It's just like you're clearly missing something. You know, it's right. clearly like, well, if you don't, I mean, and hopefully, you know, they just did that as a stopgap thing. So they'll totally give her a totally new animation for the final if they decide not to put the butt slap back in. Um, but again, creative choice. It's a weird choice to make after you've already shown the first version to the and that's public. that's why I don't think it was a creative choice. I think it was an administrative choice that somebody at Capcom well, came to them and said, look, you're taking this out of the game. Well, it's still an internal decision on the part of the company. No one, no one put pressure that that company couldn't ignore to force them to change anything. They decided that was not something they wanted to have in the game. Either, either Whether it was executive level, whether it was creative level, probably executive level. But still, the, the company can put, do whatever they want with their game, and it's not even out yet. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. You know, I, I do believe initially maybe this game was rated M by ESRB. I don't know. I think maybe an M-rated it, Street Fighter would be unusual. I know. Right? I think it leaked out that it had been initially rated M. So I'm wondering if they made the change to try to soften it a little bit so they can get possible. that T rating. I mean, you know, ESRB is American, and sex stuff. You know, you can blow people's heads away as long as you want, and you know, the rules on that are really weird. Again, gets into the the consistency thing yeah. where it's like you can. Rip a man's throat out uh, and still get a T if there's no blood scene, but you slap an ass and you get an M. Yeah. You know, it's just... <laughs> so yeah, in terms of like, yeah, I don't slap an ass and get an M. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than being called Sally, I yeah. guess. But um, yeah, again, I m- the confusion on this one for me is more like, okay, you don't want to decide you don't want the character to slap her ass. Fine. The game but, is like, so sexualized, like not well, just her, like oh, Chemley and like, character. Well, then there's a whole thing where like the the second player's side, like the female character's boobs bounce in the versus screen, yeah. and they don't on the other side. Right. And they said it was a bug, and I'm like, yeah. how is that a bug? <laughs> yeah. What is what does that mean? There's a bug. There's a bug on the second player's side that activates physics. Well, I mean, like, it's also mean? funny that they're worried, so worried about her butt when her boobs are like two basketballs. It's yeah. like like, well, also her. Butt- there's that new Brazilian fighter that's even like, oh yeah, more extreme. Well, I, that's the thing is like, it's weird that they thought that crossed the line. Yeah, that's in this what I'm game. saying. And also, this again, I I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this where it was like they let everybody play the beta with this character in that in that animation, and they're like, oh, actually no, like let's not do that. Yeah. And so I, I'm, you gotta wonder what happened there. Well, I think the other issue too is that like when stuff like this starts happening, where you know we could. We could hypothesize that it was user, user feedback or some parent complained or whatever that caused this. But the problem is, is once you are exposed as changing something like this, it, it, I think it feel, you feel like it opens the door for other things to happen. And outside pressures to change other parts of the game or to just sacrifice like the developer's original vision for the game. And when mm-hmm. you're talking about art, it's like, okay, so Dolly does this painting 
And you're like, no, no, no. Like, when we show this at the gallery, like, this woman up the road who buys some of our paintings is going to come in here and complain about it. So, Dolly, could you go back and, like, change this? Like, well, it starts I, to get, like, dicey. And I think that's a false comparison. Because, why? Because Dolly is making a singular painting for display in a gallery, whereas this is a mass-produced entertainment product they want millions of people to buy and put in their homes. But like, Dolly, I mean, any artist that creates art wants as many people as possible yeah, but, to experience their absolutely, art. Absolutely, but this is commercial art in the sense that, like, you're trying to appeal to the greatest number of people, whereas Dolly was trying to say something specific with what he was creating. But how can and you say that? Street Look at games Fa- like Killer I can 7. say that because Street Fighter V doesn't want to have anything to say except by me. But what about games like Killer 7? Like, would you say the same thing about a game like... I mean, when I'm not just, just mean, talking about Street Fighter. I'm talking about, like, the industry in general. Like, when it gets to the place where, like, I think people are coming a- to the creators and saying, you need to change this. Because, look, it's obvious the, the creators of Street Fighter V wanted that in the game. That's why they made it. They wouldn't have went to all the work to put that in the game just to pan the camera up. Like, they wanted her butt slap in the game. Somebody came to them and said, you're not putting the butt slap in the game. And they took it out. Like... It is affecting their vision as an artist of what they wanted their game to be. You can't deny that, Matt. Like, yeah, but that happens anyway. That's what not do you mean op- it happens anyway? You think that doesn't happen anyway with everything ever where you're putting millions of dollars up to make these games you get all these different opinions? We've, we've made television and we know that that happens with our artistic vision or whatever. That's the nature of creative work in a corporate environment. That's what happens with this. That doesn't, this mean, not gonna, that doesn't this make is, it right though, man. It doesn't make it right, but it is and a fact of life. I'm never- saying this is wrong. Like the, cens- the censorship, even whatever you want to call it with semantics, it's wrong. Like telling an artist how to create their art is wrong. You need to let the artist be the artist and do what they do. Like when you make, when you have other people messing with art, it's when it gets screwed up, and it's when you get like a watered down version of what they were trying to create. And that's the point that I feel like I'm trying to make here is that like, yeah, there you can argue semantics, say, well, with Capcom, and I'm not talking about just Capcom or just Street Fighter. I'm talking about anybody who makes games across the industry. When everybody sees what happens with Street Fighter at Namco and Ubisoft and wherever and if they've got the guys up in the ivory towers looking at this stuff they're like well they did it with Street Fighter we're going to tell them to take this out of the game and like again you lose the vision of what was originally intended by the artist I think that happens all the time with everything you make in that kind of I mean that's just the nature of making large scale corporate art for a multi-million dollar industry that is trying to appeal to the masses. That's the thing that people complain about with Call of Duty all the time. They water the game down so that they casuals don't. Though can play. look at Call of well, Duty. Look at No that's, Russian. That's ex- I'm glad you brought that but up. But that's exactly look what at I'm... No Russian. But what if a, some corporate overlord, Bobby Kotick, called him and said, "Dude, there's no way we're going to allow a scene where you go and slaughter helpless people in an airport in the game." We still talk about that now. Well, what? And if? it was a watershed moment that showed other developers what was possible with their content, like. And if Bobby Kotick had made that call and that never happened, then other developers, like Spec Ops The Line, you don't think those guys that made Spec Ops The Line didn't see what happened in No Rush and was like, well, hey, we can do some really crazy stuff with this. And that game has value because they actually explore like the psychological side of war. Like, it inspired something that pushed it forward, Matt. Like, it and if matters. You think, and if you think Armika slapping her ass is going to do that, you're in a very weird no, place No, but again, right you're going to semantics here. You're I'm not going to semantics. Capcom I'm saying Fighter. you're I'm describing something that is saying something. No Russian had a statement to make. Spec Ops had a statement you're to make. You're missing the whole point. No, I'm the not. Point I'm is saying that, that this is, there's a, there are degrees 
to it. And this is not something worth fighting for in the way that, like, say, Infinity Ward would have had to have fight to keep no Russian. You're just, but now you're trying to quantify someone's art and say I'm one, not trying to and you're quantify saying one art. person's art is more important than another's. No, That's what I'm you're saying. I'm saying that there are things you fight for for your vision, and there are things you let slide when you're beholden to people who are putting the money up to make these things. It happens in film. It happens in television. It happens in games. And if you want that that ass slap, let me to, ask you this: Are you fun. saying that's right? No, but I'm saying that's my point. It's not I'm, right. But I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It's and I'm saying, who fucking cares? It's reality. I do care. I want the artist's vision in their game. Out but of that's to be never sacrificed. that's never been how the industry has worked. It does happen. They put no Russian in their game. You that's think there insane. weren't other things? They in got that, away with that. You think there weren't other things in that game they wanted and they didn't get to who put? Who knows? In? Who cares? The fact. But is, that's exactly my point. Is the only reason we know this happened is because they put it in fucking front of us in the beta, right? Because that's how but, they wanted the game to be. But this is this happens behind the door every single game. I don't believe that. I, I do. I don't believe it at all. I don't. I refuse to believe that. I believe that there are people who get it, who understand. Look, people bitch about Bobby Kotick, but there are absolutely people who get it. But like you know, yeah, he Bobby Kotick saw the potential of no rush, or he was convinced one way. Uh, who knows whether he actually made that phone call and they won the argument or not? You know, I don't know. Or they had something in their contract said, "We well, don't get to change our content." You know, a lot of art. That, that's a thing that's I think is going to be key moving forward. You're going to see a lot of artists. You know that have the power that made something like, say, Call of Duty Two that had the cloud that said, "All right, we get to do whatever the hell we want. You don't get to make creative decisions for us." But you are always going to have a situation where, like, you know, yes, say, Suda Fifty One has a distinct vision for this game, but he just doesn't have the power to argue against someone who holds those purse strings. And but he did. It, with his game that didn't sell squat, and none of his well, other games all sell his squat. games don't sell squat. Right. So you gotta, and yet he still manages to convince people to let him do what he wants in his games. Yeah, but or but does he? That's what I'm saying. Is like these kinds of changes happen all the time, and we don't know about them. That's just the nature of creative work for a corporate entity. And going back to what you said about us working at corporations and networks and stuff, where people came in and like mess with our content, it sucked. I hated it. Yeah, As somebody it does. who is creative, and you're trying to create something. It sucks. And that's all I'm trying to say is that it's bullcrap and it sucks and it holds the medium down. Whatever that medium may be, whether it's video games or paintings or working in television and making videos, like whatever it is, it keeps these mm. these mediums from reaching the heights that they can reach. That's the point I'm trying but to make. And it people, sucks. But and I do the, care about it. You yeah. said you don't care. I do. I don't care in the sense like you're never going to change Capcom in that regard. But you can... You know, that's why indie things exist. That's why indie film exists. That's why indie games exist, where you can work outside of... That's why people found things like Sifted. Because you don't get told what to do. Like, that's the way... That's the solution. Unfortunately, the solution is you have to go outside of that system. You're never going to convince EA that they should start putting half-naked 13-year-olds in Mass Effect. Like, even if that's your vision. And so, what I'm saying is, like, yes, it sucks. Yes, it sucks that we have to all... You know, even... 30 years in, we're still seeing things get changed as they get, you know, brought to release. We get to see things change as they get localized for another, another, you know, culture, another country. Um, but that is the nature of the beast. And you know, you I'll fight till my last. Oh, breath. you can make it known. You make <laughs> I will it, not give up for sure. Make it known, like, hey, I don't like this. You shouldn't change things. You shouldn't do that. Absolutely. But I don't know if you should ever expect it to work. Uh, we'll see. So we do. Have I mean, we'll see if that butt slap makes it back into the final version, or if she has a totally different animation. I guess. Okay, so we have a couple more examples we need to get through. Uh, the next one is Until Dawn. So 
Obviously, it kind of choose your own adventure horror game, pretty much a, an interactive slasher flick, so to speak, in the vein of Saul. In fact, it's very much like Saul. I don't know if you have you ever have you got to play it yet. No, I actually, I did get it in the uh, the Target buy two get one free oh, thing, good. so I'll I'll get to it. It's worth your time. I'll get there. So well, I'm, I only bought it because you seem to like it so much, and you hate those kinds of cinematic games yep. when they're not done right. So. Yeah, and they did this one very well. And so again, I want to thank uh, Censored Gaming from YouTube for providing us footage. They do a great job with this content. You should definitely check out their YouTube channel and subscribe. Um, so they've done a side-by-side -side comparison here showing the Japanese version of the game versus the Western version of the game. And basically, just to kind of sum it up, they basically cut away in the Japanese version from a guy getting cut in half by a saw. And they just show his face instead of showing the actual saw cutting through him mm. and him being cut in half, blah, blah, blah. And here's what's crazy about this. Japanese horror films are some of the most grotesque, boundary-pushing pieces of media, period. Mm. Like, Mike's oh, films are... Yeah. There's like, 15 worse things than in Akira yeah. <laughs> than just that yeah. shot. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever watched Mike's imprint, but I don't know that I highly recommend it or not, but like, there's one shot in that... You'll movie. probably never watch it again, but you should probably see it once. Yeah. Like, the river shot in that film mm. is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in any movie. And so, that just goes out, no problem. But then Japan cuts this out of the game. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, usually you, know, you do have the thing where other, other countries tend to be more skittish about violence, whereas, uh, you know, America is more skittish about sex. Um, but I... Violent, you know, some kind of gory thing being censored in. in I mean, we're talking about old boy Japan. came from Japan, like old boy was Korean. Oh, it was. Um, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. But uh, but the battle the, royale. The, the original manga it's based on, I think, was Japanese, but the movie was Korean. Battle royale. Battle royale. Is... Ch children murdering each other. Thank you for the Hunger Games for that one. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. That I ha I have no answer to that because like looking at that scene. Obviously, I haven't seen that scene before. But like, I have no idea why something like that would result in like oh we need to change that for japan because japan does three more watches three more fucked up more fucked up things by breakfast oh i know like that that's weird yeah i don't get it at all i don't have a, i don't have an answer so that was sony yeah sony censored it i have no idea it's really really bizarre it comes back to the consistency thing yeah like again said. i think that's maybe the big hook hang up here is that there's no rhyme or reason to any of this mm. like and it doesn't matter which territory you're talking about, whether it's the U.S. or whether you're talking about Japan. Like, it, there's no consistency, and like, I wouldn't expect consistency across the Pacific, right. purely because of what but you said. Which but there's also no consistency in general. You know, watch uh, the documentary. This film is not yet rated. Where it's like the MPAA, the body that rates motion pictures in America, they can't even be consistent about what they're rating things, and that's all they do. Yeah, you know? that's their and job. The, it's I, I don't know. I have no I have no clue why you would censor that shot. In, in the Japanese version of Until Dawn. That is, that is one of the weirdest changes I've ever seen. This comes from the country that gave us the exploding Hitler head in Bionic Commando on the NES. Right. And so the, the last one I want to talk about is, it's kind of a story from a decade ago that's now, been, that's now resurfaced. So basically what happened was this guy created a what looked like a 16-bit video game based on the Columbine massacres. Mm -hmm. It came out about a decade ago. Was it, there was a huge uproar about it back then. Um, everything kind of died down eventually. He was standing behind, and look, it's despicable. You're seeing the game right now, and we were pretty smart with the footage here, so you're not going to see anything that's like too offensive from the game. So you don't have to turn away from Is the Is this RPG maker? <laughs> they, he made basically made it an RPG maker. Oh, uh, yes. that's a classy man. Yeah, exactly. So he tried to stand behind the, oh, 
You know, I, we, I'm trying to educate people so that something like this doesn't happen again. The total bullcrap. Guy's a scumbag. He tried to cash in on the Columbine murders. It's, it's despicable. But here's the thing. So, game comes out, goes through all the controversy, guy stands up, says all that bullcrap that I just said, and then it all goes away. Here, fast forward to 10 years later, this week, the guy has become a part-time professor at a college in Colorado, I think it is. And basically it comes to the knowledge of the college staff that he was the creator of this video game. And so the head of security at the college writes a letter to the dean and says, hey, I think this guy needs to be off our campus. He made a game about a school massacre, and I don't feel like that that's you know, something that we, a person that we want around our students, and I feel like he's dangerous and volatile and blah, blah, blah. The guy has never had, never had been arrested, has a completely clean criminal record, uh, by all accounts was a great professor at the school and did a good job when he actually worked there. Again, he was like a part-time or whatever. And they fire him and get rid of the guy. And so his students are like, wait a minute, like, he's an artist. Look, we don't like the art that he made. <laughs> it's an ugly painting with like, no skill shown when he hmm. made it, but the fact of the matter is he did make art, and now you're saying that because of the art that he made, he is losing his job and his career. And it's sure to be like blackballed, and it'll probably be hard for him to find a job somewhere else after yeah. that. So, how do you feel about that situation? Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's and also because like, you know, making a piece of art doesn't necessarily mean you endorse what happens in the. It's like it's like saying Arnold Schwarzenegger can't be governor because we can't have a murderer as governor. Right. You know, it's like. He, it's not what happened. I mean, the the taste or the the value or the the validity of the art that was made is kind of another question. But I don't think just because you make something tasteless, you should suffer for it for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean that's basically what's happening to this guy. His career is probably going to be ruined. Yeah, because anytime somebody googles his name now, what's going to come up? Well, that's it probably came up anyway. Well, it came up anyway, <laughs> but like now it's going to come up much faster, and he's probably going to have to hire one of those services that like scrubs your. Yeah, you good know, luck with that. Like you make those, a video like game, people, that's not happening. Yeah, well, it's like, the, you know, there's services that will do that now for, like, people that, like, you know, tweet the wrong thing and it blows up and you get fired for it or whatever. And, like, you know, there's, like, services that will, like, coach they're you cleaners. through. Yeah, they're cleaners. They'll, they'll <laughs> clean up your Google search. Uh, and, like, you, you like instead of, like, you know, the horrible tweet you made that, like, the, like the racist tweet that got you fired, now it'll just be like pictures of you at the beach. Yeah. They'll like manage your Google search. Now, one thing, thing I would now. say is if I were the college, first of all, I would have done my due diligence and Googled this guy before I hired him. I don't know if they actually did or not, but... Yeah, I wonder how that happened. Like, did he do it under a, like a you know, like an internet handle and like it didn't, wasn't until recently that someone figured out that that was him or like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they vetted him before they did or not. I mean, you, I mean... Well, let's be honest, like, the first thing you do when you go to, like, you know, hire someone is, like, you Google them, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody does that. Yeah. And one thing I would say is if I were the dean or whoever hires the professors at this school, and I Googled this guy and I saw what he did, I would not hire him. Would mm-hmm. you hire him? I don't know. I'd want to talk to him first. I, to I'd me, ask him about it. To me, that would be a huge lack of judgment. Yeah, that's true. It does show. But also, it was 10 years. If he did it last month, that would be yeah. one thing. But he did it 10 years ago. You know, who I don't know how old he is. Like, maybe he was, like, 15 when he did that. Everybody does stupid shit when they're 15. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't think it... I think he was an adult when was he made the game. He that? I but, don't know. But, I mean, look. There are people who get caught selling marijuana and get a felony and can't get a job for the next 10 yeah. years or ever. Yeah. So is it really all that extreme to think that this guy should... Have well, some issues finding work after well, doing he, something like what that? What he did wasn't illegal. That's a good point. He wasn't convicted of anything. Yeah. 
And a lot of people who are convicted of things probably shouldn't. But what I'm saying is, like, which is worse? Like, if you're a hiring manager, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes rules are in place and you just can't hire felons or whatever. But if you're a hiring manager and you're just looking judgment wise at this person and saying, should I hire this person? Which one would you hire? The person who got arrested for selling marijuana or the person who made this video game? Um, your your company's rules withstanding. With like, the two people are completely twins in every respect except for that, basically? Yeah. Um, I would probably go for the person who did not have the criminal record. Really? You would yeah. go with the guy who made this game instead of the guy who sold marijuana? Yeah, because that's going to be easier to... That's not public record, really. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like... None of that matters. Just looking at the person, you're making a judgment call uh, on the person. Who would you want to have working with you? I mean, would I rather have and working with students. I'd rather have someone who made that game versus someone who smoked pot once. Pretty much. Well, yeah. no, no, no. They got arrested <laughs> for, for selling for, it. For selling it. Yeah. Who would you rather have around college kids, I guess, is the way it should be put. Well, I've got people around me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's even I it would have to come down to what who he was what he offered and what he was going to do with the job like I don't yeah. I just don't care about those things yeah. I don't care if you got convicted for selling marijuana I don't care if you made a shitty tasteless video game 10 years ago like who are you now but yeah. I know but I know that's not how people think you know I know that's not reality yeah but I mean like, to me I I mean if you hire the guy who made that game and you know that he made that game and it comes out later that some somebody freaks out that he made that game you're probably in trouble too because you knew you you were basically slapping this huge you know exhaust port on your death star of a college I don't that me- metaphor didn't go anywhere but like <laughs> but you know what I'm saying it's like you're you know what you're doing is like you're hiring someone who could be a liability later if that because beca- you know you Yes, rationally, it shouldn't be a problem. But you know, just with how people are, it's going to be a problem. See, to me, this guy who made this game, and this is just my opinion, is a scumbag. Like he, I would not disagree with that. He's a scumbag. He tried to capitalize on the deaths of... I don't can't remember how many people died, but however many people died, he tried to capitalize on their deaths to make money. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is about as low as it gets. And so... You know, for me, a lot of people, you know, even with Sifted and people I hire, like, character is a big thing for me. And, like, you mm-hmm. know, the cut of somebody's jib means a lot to me. So you would never hire a funeral home <laughs> person. Why? Because they make money off people's deaths. Oh, come on. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. That was right there. But I, uh, but I, but would, I, get, what you, I get what you mean. I get, but again... Yes, the, the guy who did that 10 years ago is a scumbag. Maybe he doesn't agree with that person anymore. You know, like, things change. People can change. Usually they Some, don't. Usually they don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not saying it's universal, but I yeah. am say, I'm saying, like, you know, like, and again, these kids, you know, his students seem to really like him and like what he brings to the table as a teacher, so maybe he did. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that part of him isn't the primary piece of him. That now he's got all that money. <laughs> oh, all that, all that sweet college professor money. No, I'm saying the money he made off his game. Did he make any money off that game? I have no idea. I barely even heard of it. Yeah. So I feel like we just talked about video game censorship for about 20 minutes. Yeah, what And we still haven't really reached any definitive conclusions about it. It's just one of those topics. It's, it's like violence in video games. It's just one of those topics that you can talk about yeah. over and over again well, and explore it, it, and you just never really reach that zenith. Well, because it, like, it's just one of those things where, well, you know, I wish, I wish they didn't do it, but it's, they're always going to do it. You know, it's like, it's like, I wish... I guess I'm more idealistic. I feel like if you stand up, like, you can make a change, but 
Maybe I'm just naive. No, I don't think you're naive. I think you just wish things were better than they are. That could be. That's a good way of putting it. I'd rather be called that than naive. <laughs> you know, I, you've, you were, we both worked in you know, creative corporate controlled endeavors long enough yeah. to know that that is always going to be a factor in that kind of a thing. Well, if and they you don't say be anything, ready for it, and you're if, still going to have it in the back of your mind that they might. Oh, yeah. And that will affect your art. Yeah. You're all, there will always be that decision you make, like, well, we shouldn't do this because we're going to get a note on it later. So let's Even just though I'd try. really love to. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the, I mean. Or you could pull the old red herring trick, like I did many times, where you oh, yeah, yeah. put something else in your project that they can point to and say that's wrong, and then they fix that and they don't notice the other thing that you slid in oh, there yeah. under the radar. Or you could always do what some other people do and ignore them. Right. You know, <laughs> and then you get fired. Because let's not forget uh, what happened with uh, when, um, was it, uh, Peter Jackson showed uh, the first. Uh, Drafts of Lord of the Rings to New Line, and New Line Cinema said, "Oh well, you got to kill a Hobbit. There's not enough drama. You yeah. have to kill one. You get to pick, pick whichever <laughs> Hobbit you want to kill, and like kill them." Yeah. And Peter Jack, it was this was in a meeting. He'd flown to L.A. for, and, and he's like, "All right, great." And he went back to New Zealand and ignored them completely. Yeah. So like sometimes you just have to. Well, when you have the power that guy do. has, you can get away with uh, it. He didn't really have that kind of power yet. He got that power from, from Lord those of the Rings. Films, yeah. And at a certain point, he just you know he's like, "We're not going to do that." Yeah. Not. And sometimes you have to make that stand, and something you know, or the. You know, those kinds of changes can happen in a weird way. You know, I mean, movies are generally my kind of expertise in terms of when, because you don't find you find out shockingly little about the making of most games. Yeah. Internally, You're right. but like it was, it's a very famous. It's been called the worst memo ever sent by a studio. It was during the making of Back to the Future, and this one studio exec desperately wanted the the name of the film to be Spaceman from Pluto. <laughs> The whole thing revolved around the scene where he like pretends to be Darth Vader right, and yeah. freaks out his dad, right? Yeah. And wanted to change a spaceman from Pluto. Everything should be called spaceman from Pluto. He should be referred to as this in the marketing. That should be the title of the film. Da 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 da. da. And you know, worst idea ever. He wanted yeah. to change Back to the Future to that. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg, who luckily had the power to do this at the time, wrote back another memo and said, "Thanks for the joke memo. We're still laughing about it over here. Like, great, great work." <laughs> and the guy who sent the original memo was too proud to admit that he had actually meant that seriously. Right. So He's that, like, "Oh yeah, so glad you got it." Was never followed up on. <laughs> but even at that level, you get those kinds yeah, of choices, for and sure. and you know. And that would have been far worse than losing a butt slap. For sure. <laughs> All right, it's time to move on to the next topic of the Big Six, where we're going to recap Nintendo's Direct. So I will say one thing right before we get going on all the stuff that they did show is we were pretty good, man, with the predictions yeah, that we had. We didn't mention the uh, Twilight Princess remake. Oh, did we mention that? We didn't mention it, no. No, because that, that, that should have been a pretty obvious It one. should have been obvious. You're I, right. I we know. totally missed that I one. I didn't think of that Because it had already been pretty much announced already. Yeah. So that, that should have been the first thing that we mentioned. But in talking about like who was going to lead the Nintendo Directs, mm-hmm. like, the new president was not a part of it. No, not at all. Well, here's the thing, though. So... There was two different broadcasts. Like, the Japanese Direct was completely different from the U.S. one. So, I'm sitting there curating all the stuff that's happening in the Direct, and I start seeing stuff coming into our admin saying, oh, new Star Fox Zero trailer. And I'm like, <laughs> no, there's no Star Fox Zero trailer. They have not shown that yet. And then, like, 15 minutes later, they had it in the U.S. one, and that kept hmm. happening. So. They had stacked the shows differently in Japan. They also had a fellow there who was presenting it who wasn't the president. I don't know who he was, to be honest with you. I've never seen him before. But they had, like, a Japanese presenter there presenting it in Japan. 
In the U.S., it was all Reggie and Bill Trennan. So we mm-hmm. nailed that. Like, yeah. they didn't bring in talent or somebody to do it. It was actually Reggie and... They, I mean... Who those, else? Those guys are talent. When yeah. You, when you get down. You know, it guys, all those, comes down to in it. In terms of presentation, they've been they've been the face of Nintendo in the West for, for what, 10 years? Yeah. Since, Pretty much. Since Reggie kicked ass and took names in 2004. I mean, yeah. And Bill Trennan's been around before that yeah. as translator. So, yeah. I mean, he's certainly been front and center with Nintendo for quite a while. But... But otherwise, you know, I feel like we did a pretty good job of, of kind of yeah. we, seeing uh, into the going back to the future. A couple things we didn't predict. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think some of, them came, some of this stuff came out of left field, I would say. The Smash Brothers stuff came out of left field for yep. me. So let's start talking about some of the stuff that happened. Um, obviously, we already mentioned Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD. Matt, do you care? Mm. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I didn't... That was the <laughs> way to put it. Twilight Princess is the first Zelda I didn't finish, but it was mainly because I just was tired of waggling. Yeah. And I always regretted not buying the GameCube version because uh, it was used a real controller and it was flipped. Um, and now this is the GameCube version, the yeah. flipped version, you know, or the original version. I say the Wii version is actually the flipped one. Uh, so it's, a, it's, you know, it'll play with the controller. It's, it's the way it should be. It looks better. I'm willing to give it another try. I'll, I'll see if I can get all the way through this time. As someone who has a, who has finished the game, I really have no interest in this game at all. No. I mean, I really enjoyed Twilight Princess. I gave it a great score, and contrary to you, I actually really liked the motion controls. I liked the motion controls in Twilight Princess more than I liked the motion controls in Skyward Sword. I'd agree with that. And, I, but I hated Skyward Sword. So. Well, the truth of the matter is that the motion controls were better in Skyward Sword. I just didn't like how they were implemented because right. it had the Wii. Motion Plus yeah. in Skyward Sword, whereas before you pretty much just had the waggle for Twilight Princess. Yeah. But I felt like I mean, it was just like it, the, on Twilight Princess, it was literally like it was a button press. It was, it was a simple. Whack, whack, whack. Well, you also had like the aiming and stuff yeah. like that with the pointer. Like it was just simple and uncomplicated and easy to grasp. And I thought it did actually add something to the gameplay. And then with Skyward Sword, I felt like they just tried to go too far with Motion Plus and made it do things mm-hmm. that it just wasn't capable of doing. Like, I remember the bowling stuff. Do you remember the part of Skyward yeah. Sword where you had to, like, bowl? Well, that's the thing. Skyward Sword, all How of can Skyward... they not get Wii Bowling right in Zelda? Uh, well, also, that all of Skyward Sword's, like, like control schemes and minigames and all that stuff, it was all Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort was, just, yeah. like, meshed all together into it. Yeah. And so, like, it didn't feel like Zelda to me. It felt like you were, like, trying to fool me into playing Wii Sports with a Link costume. Yeah, so I'm honestly not that excited for this. Of course, they announced, like, the, the Amiibo, the Wolf... Link Amiibo. Already sold out on Amazon. Yeah, I'm sure it's sold out in like 90 seconds or whatever. However I mean, long. the Amiibo looks really cool. Yeah, it's one of the better looking Amiibos yeah. I've seen, but again, I don't well, really we'll care Well, we'll see what about. it actually looks like at retail. I, I swear, man, I picked up a few Amiibo recently, and I have never seen quality control problems like that on those Toys to Life things. Like, I had to look through four different Star Foxes to find one who actually had his nose painted on. Yeah. Now, here's the big news. The biggest news from this trailer is that... The Legend of Zelda for the Wii U is still coming to the Wii U, and it's still coming next year. Uh-huh. You don't believe it? I'll believe it when it's in my hand. Really? Yeah. I don't think they would... At this point, like, they... They better know when it's coming, yeah, but I don't, you know... Well, no, shit, I feel like... happens. I feel like they could have, in this direct, said, this game is coming to NX. And I feel like people would have been okay with it, because I think a lot of people were expecting it anyway. And I feel like if they... I think had, it's still happening. What'd you say? I think it'll still happen. Well, right. It could come to both. Yeah. But they could have said, like, this has been pushed from Wii U and it's going to NX. And I feel like most people would have been okay with it. Um, well, yeah. 
Oh, not would, if you had told would, them that a year and a half ago, they'd have lost their minds. I think they still some people still would lose their minds. But like the thing is, if you move that to the NX, the number of you know who's playing, who's still playing the Wii U right now? Huge hardcore fans, right? Who, yeah, how many of those I mean, people are not going to move? How many of those people are going to not move to the new system to play the new Zelda instantly? No matter yeah. how much you complain. Yeah, I mean they have their 10, 12 million user base that's always going to buy a Nintendo console yeah. no matter what. The problem is 10 to 12 million people is not enough for right. a viable business. So, but like my thing is just like if you move that to the new system, yes, people will complain and they will that turn around and buy your system and play the new Zelda game because it's the only way they can do it. It's like so. I'm saying is like if you you can move that off the Wii U to the NX whenever the hell you want because people are still gonna scream about it, but in the end they're gonna buy it anyway. Yeah. So we'll. See, I mean, at E3 it wouldn't surprise. It definitely, I fully 100% expect they will say it's on the NX. I don't know if they'll say it's not on the Wii U. 100%. Anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It has to be. There's no way. There's no way you don't launch with that, too, Twilight Princess. Or still waiting for a Metroid game on Wii U. Yeah, but Metroid doesn't have the cloud that Zelda did. Which, again, and Zelda doesn't have the cloud of Mario. We forget that, like, you know, we think Mario's at Mario, Metroid, Zelda, but, like, Mario is, you know, head and shoulders above those two. I don't know that Zelda still has the cloud of Zelda. That's a good question. Like, is... I mean, Skyward Sword did not set the sales charts ablaze. Yeah, but the Wii was already kind of on the way down at that point. Um, how did the how did uh, Link Between Worlds do? Mm, I don't remember what not, the sales were on that. Not bad. I don't but, think it did bad. I mean, I just don't. Wind know. Waker HD did well. I mean, you know, it's, it's we'll see what Twilight Princess sells. But I I feel like especially at the beginning of a new system, people are going to be willing to dive in. You know, dive in on a new Zelda, and especially if you kind of make it look. You know, that one really sort of has that. Skyrim looking sort of open, you know, it looks like a new thing. It looks like yeah. they finally moved into well, a new, new for new Zelda. for Zelda. Yeah. 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 But that's big, you know, that's a big that's deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And I'm also it makes me really nervous that they're doing an open world game. And well, I'm sure I'm, that's why it's been delayed. Well I'm well yeah, well I'm worried Again. I'm worried that maybe it's not gonna be this anymore if it's on the new system as well, but I'm worried the original one really looked like okay, look at the map on the Wii U controller, tap the map and the horse goes there. Yeah. It's like on rails. Well you they know? kinda showed that. Yeah, they did, but it's like can you control a horse on its own? Yeah, they, 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 didn't yeah, they said see, you could. It's like, can you go there on your own? Like, I, don't yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I worry that like. I mean, they've only shown us like a minute and a half of this game. Well, because like, they just said recently, like you know, everybody wants an open world Zelda, but we thought, what if we could give it to them in a way we don't expect? And it's like, no, just give me the open world Zelda. Like, yeah. You don't have to make everything weird. Like watching this video does remind me that it was. You know, this was shown in the Game Awards, and the Game Awards are coming up. Jeff Keighley's Game Awards yeah. on December third. Could we get another look at it? Because oh, remember, I said we'd get a look at Zelda Wii U. You said no, and I was right. Oh yeah, true. That surprises me. I mean, I, I thought they wouldn't be ready to commit. To I mean, it, granted, to... it was about ten seconds, but they it still was a look, they still they mentioned, mentioned it. it. Yeah, counts. Yeah. <laughs> when do you think this game's coming out, Matt? Twenty seventeen. <laughs> so? No. Well, here's the thing. I think the NX is coming out next year. You at do? The, end of, at the fall next Packer year. Packer seems to be not thinking that. He said he thinks it'll be a miracle if it comes out next it year. It might well be a miracle if it comes out <laughs> next year. But the Nintendo needs a miracle it right needs, now. They need a miracle, and I think it will be next year, and I think this the, this game will be a launch title. And so, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, if, the, if the NX comes out next year, Zelda will come out next year. I will say I am no less excited about Zelda for Wii U. I am still through the roof excited for the game. I'll play it one way. I mean, really... Um, you know, if I don't get a Wii U this Black Friday, uh, I will get one to play this game if it's not also on the NX. But I do think it'll be on the NX. 
But if it's not, I will get a Wii U. To Highly play. likely that it's on the NX. I would agree with that. But that's the thing. I would not like, say 100 percent though. Yeah, but it's the thing. It's like you know, a lot of people I'm sure would buy a Wii U to play the new Zelda game, but like. Does that do Nintendo any good? Like, they're already on the Here's NX the thing, trail. like, does Nintendo want to move Wii U hardware at this point? Exactly. Like, will they stop I mean, producing it? Because if, like if somebody buys the Wii U and the NX is coming out, let's say Zelda comes out in June of next year. That's optimistic. Maybe. I mean, they've been working on it for forever. Like, it should be done. It should have been done already. Forever so, in a day. I mean, think about it. Skyward Sword came out, what, five years ago? Four years ago? Was that 2012, 2011, 2011, and 2011? Yeah. Four years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, it should be done. So let's say somebody picks up a Wii U in June to play Zelda Wii U, mm-hmm. and Nintendo's going to ask that same person to spend another $300 on NX six right months then, later? Yeah. Well, then, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Does Nintendo want to move Wii U I would, hardware? I would think not. I would think the only reason you leave this game on the Wii U is for the people that don't want to upgrade to the right. next system. Like, that's it. Throwing a bone to the people who exactly. bought the Wii U and got burned, basically. Yeah, because they should. So think about it. We got two Zeldas on the Wii. Yeah. Well, how about this? And a Metroid. Well, and, well here's the other thing. Two that Metroid I think, games. Here's the other attitude Nintendo, I think, needs to change. Is, like, if you... If you said to like you know Reggie or someone from Nintendo like oh well, it's been four years since the last Zelda game they'd be like but there was you know a link right, to, link between yeah. worlds and there was Hyrule Wind Waker Warriors. HD and there was Hyrule Warriors <laughs> and there was and there was uh, yeah. uh, and there's gonna be Twilight Princess HD no, you're absolutely no right. it's since the last Zelda you're absolutely you know right. what, you know what I mean that is their tactic yeah, yeah Reggie does that so that's time. that's the other thing is like why the NX really needs to kind of fold the handheld in with the console so like yeah. when you release no more excuses Link, yeah when you release a Zelda game it's on the console on it's, the it's, nin- it's the Zelda game it's on the Nintendo, the Nintendo as it used to be called back in the day I, man I know it's the, the NX is just a code name but they should they should really call it the Nintendo Entertainment System they really should it should be it should be back to the right, back, back to the day full circle yeah alright we'll see so let's move on to the next because game because the, the NES was a miracle of its time too. It was. It saved the saved video the game industry. industry. Yeah. Well, this one needs to save Nintendo. Yeah. So. <laughs> and right. and some would say the whole industry, as a, you know, if Nintendo falls, what happens to the industry? Does anyone want to see what that looks like? I don't think I do. I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people don't. either don't like Nintendo or they hate Nintendo. I don't. I I'm not. I'm not a crazy Nintendo fan by any means, as I think anybody would know by listening to me on this show. But like, I don't want to see an industry without Nintendo. In it. No, I agree. As and I don't just mean as like oh they went third party. I mean I don't want Nintendo to go the Sega route. I want Nintendo to stay Nintendo. I want them to keep making hardware because they're the only ones who will push hardware forward. Even yeah. though sometimes it fails, like at least they're pushing it. Yeah, like you said with Ubisoft, they they got courage in yeah. that in that realm. Yeah, Nintendo does, and luckily Nintendo has the money to be courageous. Although that war chest has got to be dwindling a little bit at this point. Oh, I think they got some left. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Got some powder left in the old magazine. Yeah. So arguably the second biggest announcement at the Nintendo Direct was a brand new fighter for Super Smash Brothers, Cloud from Cloud. Final Fantasy. Cloud wins. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone saw this coming. No. I mean, I, I, I expected some Smash Brothers DLC, but like, I didn't think it was going to be Cloud. For yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of weird because Cloud is... Has Cloud ever been on a Nintendo platform? Ever? Um, I mean, I know Final Fantasy VII was never released for a Nintendo platform, but was he in, ever in, like, some other weird, like, game that he just had a cameo in or anything? I don't think so. can't think of one. I mean, he, he was, like, had a cameo in Final Fantasy Tactics, which never came to a Nintendo system. Yep. 
and yeah, I can't think of can't think of it. Yeah. So this is uh, a little interesting, don't you think? Do you think it's just Square trying to get cheap promo for Final Fantasy the Final Fantasy VII remake? Probably. Yeah. I mean, why else? And they're like, ah, we'll throw Nintendo a bone, but secretly, we're going to get way more out of this than you ever will. Probably. I mean, it's, I mean, it kind of fits in the sense that Final Fantasy was such a Nintendo mainstay for so many years. It's just weird that the character they're using... I mean, yes, the character they're using is probably the most famous Final Fantasy protagonist, yeah. but it's also the protagonist from the game where the, where the series left Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like... <laughs> you're right. He's like the symbol of, like, he's screw like, yeah, you, Nintendo. He is the symbol of PlayStation. We're going PlayStation. Go fuck yourselves with your cartridge system. Thing, yeah. You know? like, it's, I just it's, find it really odd. It like, is very odd. I mean, it's cool. It's cool that they did that. I'm sure there's people that love to see Final, you know, Square and Nintendo together again, yeah. etc. But like it's you know I mean yeah so I'm sure someone would be like oh you should have been Terra or it should have been Bart's or whatever it's like who knows who those characters are I mean if someone from Final Fantasy VI just wouldn't have the recognition factor or yeah pretty much any other game of Final Fantasy and I do think or any Cl- other character but Cloud really yeah. <laughs> and I do think Cloud will you know potentially appeal to people who might not otherwise look at the Nintendo system yeah maybe I maybe, you'll, maybe you'll move a couple of systems with it. Yeah, I just found it really peculiar. Like, I, again, I would have never guessed it. I don't think anybody would have guessed it because it makes no freaking sense. No, I mean, I would, I would have guessed Ryu or like something like that. But like, even that is a stretch. I, I feel like Smash Brothers has become like, and I wrote this in a comment on Sifted. I feel like it's become like, just like a pandering, like fan, it's like fan service the video game. I think that's pretty much what it always was. Yeah, I guess it was. I mean, it just seems like it's getting worse because now there's like characters in it that you know really don't have any relation to Nintendo at all. Like you know, before we had Sonic in the game and well, like Snake. Sol- and- yeah, Solid Snake was pushing it. I mean, yeah. Solid Snake was definitely not the NES Solid Snake. Yeah. Uh, and well, I mean, look, there was twin snakes on the game. Pac-Man. I mean, Pac-Man isn't exactly a Nintendo yeah. ID. You know? Right. But, but they, you know, but those Pac-Man World games did very well on Nintendo platforms. So I guess it makes sense in a really kind of behind closed doors marketing way. Well, remember that weird, like, Pac-Man game that they had where you used, like, all the GBAs and the Link Oh, Pac-Man Versus. That yeah, was great. It was. Versus remember was Remember awesome. you played as, like, the ghosts and you used, yeah. like, the screen on the GBA? That was great. It just, it took, like, you had to like, have, like, three GBAs and all the connector the cords. The Link cables, And everybody, yeah. like, had to sit next to the GameCube. Because the cables are only, yeah. like, three feet long. Like, I wish they'd do that <laughs> again with, like, all the wireless tech now. That would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. That was a really good idea. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We keep flashing back to things that were fun to play, um, and didn't cost extra. Well, it did cost. That extra. cost a lot cost to a play lot that game. That was, that was like a two hundred dollar game right there. Well, I think You're the game itself only game cost game. like nineteen ninety nine or something. It was just like a well, little. Yeah, because they knew you had to buy all those fucking cables. <laughs> cables alone would set you back the cost of a full game. So yeah, I guess it's cloud cool for fans. That's cool. I don't I mean, really give a crap. I mean, but... At this point, I saw people, there was one guy who was saying that like the next the next DLC character for Smash Brothers should be Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all right, table for one. Wor- <laughs> <laughs> see, see you later. Worst video game mascot <laughs> ever. But it's like he's the worst. Crash Bandicoot like, is the worst. Yeah, but it's video all, game also character. he's owned. By, isn't he owned by Sony? He is. Yeah. But it's like at this point, who knows? Yeah, it could yeah. happen. Maybe. Cloud was pretty much owned by Sony in a, in a very metaphorical sense too. Cause, yeah, because look, if if like Sony's working on a new Crash Bandicoot game, yeah, and Sony's just like, eh, we're not using it. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> we'll give it to you so you can promote the character. People yeah. will care about him again, and then hey, look at this brand new Crash Bandicoot game we're making. And I have to, which admit, would be a huge mistake. I have by to the way. admit, as someone who's playing games back in the day, 
it actually would be kind of cool to have a Smash Brothers match between Mario, Sonic, and Crash. Because that the, was the whole fight was, back then. Yeah. It was the whole battle between Crash, Mario, and Sonic. Well, remember the character, like how the commercials where Crash went to like Nintendo's headquarters oh, yeah, and was like calling again. out Mario outside, like, oh, how the times have changed, man. Yeah. I remember when uh, uh, Naughty Dog's Jason Rubin said that Crash Bandicoot was more 3D than Mario 64 right. could ever hope to be. Yeah, yeah, that's a laugh. Was like, because the trees were sprites. That was like, <laughs> and there were no there were no sprites in Crash Bandicoot. Okay, good one. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next game. So this is something that definitely rubs me the wrong way, Matt. And they've introduced what? a brand new character for Hy- Hyrule Warriors Legends. That's the 3DS version of Hyrule War- mm-hmm. Warriors, and they've introduced this new character named. Linkle. 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 And there she is, a female Link, basically. Yeah, there was some controversy over whether she was female Link or whether it's supposed to be be Link's sister. But I think she's supposed to be Link's female version. Keep in mind, Nintendo, probably a year ago, maybe a little more, had talked about a female Link Mm -hmm. and said that they were open to the idea of a female Link. Well, I still think... You think this is grease in the wheels for Legend of Zelda Wii U to choose between male Link and female Link to play the game? I think the Link they've shown in the the Wii U game uh, looks pretty pretty girly. Well, notice... I don't don't mean that in the sense like Link looks like a girl, haha, that's like... Right, right. I think that, like, in the... the, Was it E3 where it was, like, riding on the horse escaping that giant, like, Princess Mononoke-looking monster and, like, and jumped up... I, that character looks like a girl to me. Well, in the trailer that they... And I don't mean that as an insult. I no, just no. mean... I think that the facial structure looks like Linkle. Well, look at the, the little footage that they just showed, too. She's got the hood on. They yeah, never the show mm-hmm. the face. So you may be asking her, maybe this is the star of Zelda Wii U. It's possible. We're looking at her right now. I mean, looking from behind, it's not like you can tell a difference. It looks no. like Link. I'm okay with it. Well, yeah, I, don't, I am too. I don't really care. It's not like Link talks or anything. Exactly. Although like, he probably should at this point. Yeah, my, well, I don't know, though. I kept saying that about Fallout, and now look what happened. <laughs> I don't have a problem with uh, the lead character in Fallout 4 talking. I just wish it was a little less, like, a little more Mass Effect and a little less, like, bland. Yeah. Because just things were... There was a... There was a... a it was a Photoshop someone did of, like, Snake from Metal Gear, and it was just, like... It was, like, the Fallout options, and it just said, like... Metal Gear? Metal Gear. What Metal Gear? Huh? And yeah. it was just like, it was like, yeah, those are pretty much the options you get in Fallout 4. This is like four versions of the same thing with different punctuations. Yeah. But, um... Well, you can tell it's their first time yeah. working on something like that. Def- definite, uh, definite dialogue wheel virgins. But it's weird. Like, I think just calling her Linkle is probably the stupidest thing. I, I read that that's a failed pun translation. That, like, in Japanese, it's supposed to be, it, like, you pronounce it, like, uh, Rinkara or something, which is, like, a pun on Wrinkle, which is supposed to be, a, like, a pun on, like, Wrinkle in Time. She's, like, an alternate link somehow. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's actually true. That's just what I read somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Link, I don't know. Like, I don't We're know. okay with it. You think fans will be okay if you don't play as Link? Like the majority of fans, I would I would think you'd probably get a choice. Yeah, that's male what I'm female. thinking. You can choose one or the other. I mean that, if or maybe it's a case where like at a certain point you meet Linkle and then you play as her for a while. Yeah, it could be like the whole jumping time thing where you played as Kid Link in Ocarina yeah. of Time. And, yeah, or like Wolf Link and that right. kind of thing. But like I don't know. 
I don't know. I think uh, it's probably about time to give me a, a choice in, on gender on Link. I mean, it does, it's not like he, it matters. Yeah, it really you doesn't. Know, it, it, you end up staring at the back of his hood most of the yeah. time anyway. So. I mean, really, and like, I mean, Skyward Sword kind of went into the whole romance between him and Zelda thing, but like, that really hasn't been much of a factor through most yeah. of the series, so I think you can just make them friends or... Yeah. Or make Link a lesbian. I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care either. It. As long as the game's good, that's all yeah, I care about. Yeah, for sure. As long as the game's good and exists. Yep. <laughs> we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so the last game we're going to talk about from the Nintendo Direct is just a small one. It is Dragon Quest Eight and Seven, finally announced for Western release. Uh, Seven, I believe, is coming out next summer. Eight does not have a definitive date yet. Is um, a remake of Seven? I don't know. I know they're both out in Japan already, but I'm not sure if the... If well, seven, 7 was on the PS1. Right. So, like, yeah. there must be some kind of a remake thing. I, don't, I have not been paying attention to the Dragon Quest thing. I'm sorry, JRPG fans. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon, Qu- Dragon Quest games are so... It's like, you, that's a job, basically. No, it is. Just JRPGs is a job. Yeah, but Dragon Quest... I mean, Unless you go Dragon to the Japan Quest. channel on Sifted, where they all are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But Ooh. yeah, I mean, not a lot of excitement personally for this. Like, yeah. I'm not the world's biggest Dragon Quest. I'm happy for people who are big Dragon Quest fans and JRPG fans. Yeah, it's important. It's an important series, and it really should have parity over here. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it should be available for people who want that because it's just it's it's. I think you have to have at least played some of the Dragon Warrior games, Dragon Quest games, to be literate in the genre. No, you're right. You're it, absolutely you know, right. Here's here's what I would say about Nintendo Direct. As a whole, and then I want to get your take on the on the whole show, so to speak. Mm. Is the whole thing just felt like it was a stopgap? Like yeah, they it felt like they had to do something before the end of the year. It's like the graphic is saying right now, like Link to the Rescue. Like I feel like they were looking for a way to plug holes, and right now they have a lot of holes because there's no games coming out really for even for the 3DS that's a, mm. that are a big deal, and the Wii U. We all know. We're, you're Where for it's that at? Animal Crossing? Yeah, exactly. You mean Amiibo Festival Amiibo or whatever? Festival? <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's selling. <laughs> In Japan, it sold like insanely. Oh, these things! Like I think over here, like the ones that come with the Amiibos, like gone. You think so? I think they're already came, gone. You I can't it get just them. Came out today. It did, but they're gone. Really? Like, it's over. No, it's, it's just the gone. Amiibo. Yeah, the Amiibo. Yeah, the Amiibo. The Amiibo is life. Now the Hopi, the ha- Hopi, the Happy Home Designer in Japan literally was like the best-selling game in Japan for like a month, which is basically all you do is just design like homes, oh, put furniture. It's like okay. Animal Crossing minus the fun minus part. Minus the crossing. <laughs> minus the fun part. Which is wow, well, well, saying something. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. Um, I mean, I don't know. I kind of do want a Tom Nook uh, amiibo just to smash it with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> And see if, like, coins come out of it when you smash it. <laughs> Give me the bells. So while I feel like this was a stopgap for Nintendo, one thing I like about it is that it feels like Nintendo's, like, turning the page. Yeah. And maybe NX really is coming next year because if, if they had come out with this Direct and shown, like, a ton of games and debuted, like, four games that were coming out next year, like, even if they were small games like Mario Tennis mm. or whatever, like, or Mar- New Mario Strikers or... Whatever, like that level of a game, like they're B-level games. Then I would pause. I would be like, wait a minute. Like they're making all the software for the Wii U still. Like maybe NX isn't till 2017, but I don't know. I feel like now. I think uh, like what else? What else do they have next fall? Well, I mean, next fall, there's nothing. Like they have Star Fox Zero, which they announced a release date for February 18th or something. Early part of the year. That's got them covered there. They probably got some. You know, mid-range stuff. You know, for the middle of the year, and I think you know, NX or no NX, Zelda is your holiday game. 
I mean, I think that may come out next summer. I think that would be a mistake. Why? For the exact reason we mentioned before, it's like, why do you want people to spend money on a Wii U when you're going to make them turn around and buy, you know, if they, if they do that, if Zelda comes out in the summer, the NX is fall 2017. Well, see, if, if Zelda doesn't come out in the summer, though, the Wii U is just dead. I, <laughs> I mean, it's think, done. I, yeah. I don't disagree with that at all, but I think it is. I think yeah. Zelda Wii U is is the bone, you know, if they even if they keep it on the system, which I suspect they will, it's going to be like the GameCube is the bone you throw to the people that aren't willing to upgrade yet. Yeah. Like because thanks thanks for buying our failed system. You know, thanks for thanks for buying our Dreamcast. Yeah. <laughs> they're their Dreamcast too. Yeah. Cuz so, this isn't the first failure for Nintendo. No, but this is Coming off of the Wii, I think it's the, probably the biggest disappointment. Well, I don't With know. All that momentum just gone. I mean, you you look at the the N sixty four coming off the Super Nintendo. That's a pretty big letdown. True. I mean, the N sixty four did sell like twenty six million or. I was much happier there. with the N sixty four. Oh yeah. System, oh yeah. For like, oh my, just I mean, Mario sixty four yeah, alone. I mean, you, you get you get some passes for launching with a game that changed the medium forever. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's a, yeah. a couple of them. Yeah, you know it's I mean? not. A, it's not. I mean, I was even happier with the GameCube than I am with the Wii U. Same. Way way happier. Dude, I like, still at least it back, had third party support. I still go back and play GameCube games. Something. GameCube is actually what's hooked up to my TV right now, not the Wii. It's not going to pass the GameCube, the Wii U. No. GameCube got to almost 20. Well, they needed a rogue leader. Yeah. Well, there was good third-party games on GameCube. There was a lot of good game, GameCube games. Yeah, but... And, it, like, people forget, that system was gorgeous. Yeah. Those games... Metroid Prime still looks good. Oh, yeah. And it always will, probably, because the art in it is just... Yep. Extraordinary. All right, so it's time to move on. We spent enough time talking about the direct. I think we just did a full podcast just on the direct. I think we've so. done about three podcasts tonight <laughs> already. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on. And these last last couple topics actually probably won't last quite as long. I know this next one's not going to. So it, basically, what happened this week is Rainbow Six came out. Well, not Rainbow Six. The game didn't talk, but Ubisoft came out. <laughs> oh, that would be really awesome. Ubisoft came out and kind of laid out the DLC plans for Rainbow Six Siege and. At first, what it had announced was basically that all, like, the extra maps and everything was going to be free, like, forever. And, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, Rainbow Six Siege, so awesome. No campaign, but, hey, you're going to support this game for years. We're going to get all the maps for free, blah, blah, blah. So then it comes out this week. They went into a little bit more detail on how the season pass and everything will work. So basically how it works is, like, the game is all set up by operators. So they put out separate trailers for operators. There's one for, like, the Spetsnaz. You're watching one right now for, like, Germany's secret forces or whatever. And basically the biggest part of their DLC is going to be releasing new operators into the game. And the operators are no little deal. Like they're insane. Like each operator has crazy unique abilities. Like one of them has like a shield that has like flashbangs on the front of it. And like it's not just like here's like a new gun and a new uniform, go fight. Like they have like big differences between all the operators. So they're probably the biggest deal for DLC other than the maps. So how it's going to work is, is you can pay approximately 4 to $5 for each operator. Or it will take you 25 hours of gameplay to unlock that operator for free using the in-game Ubisoft points. Oh, I didn't know this game was on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Matt? Keeping in mind that this game already costs $60. This is a full-price $60 game with no campaign, so to speak. There are single-player modes as mm. far as like Battlefront has modes. But otherwise, it's a $60 game that's asking you for $5 per operator. Or you can buy the season pass for $50 and you'll get them all for that cost. 
Yeah. And there's eight of them coming. So I'm, I mean, I'm not all that interested in that game to begin with, but I pro- I'm probably not going to play for 25 hours total. Right. So, uh, no. Well, not, going to, not going to do that. That's too, that's too much of a gameplay element to withhold behind a paywall. Yeah. And it's, it's just shady, if you ask me. Like, I just... This game, should, first of all, shouldn't be $60, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so you look at, uh, for instance, example, like free, the free-to-play model. And look, free-to-play model, that's where this comes from. The whole concept yeah. of paying for well, a that, character. And UB did that with that Ghost Recon thing. That, I, did that shut down? What? Ghost, Ghost Recon Online. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, That's right. You I forgot that? about that game. <laughs> did it ever come out? Yeah. <laughs> I signed up. I played once, and I still sometimes, like, I would get mail, like, every few months, like, hey, come get this tactical thing. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, if you look at the free-to-play model, this is typical of a free-to-play model. Right. Like a League of Legends. Like, League of Legends, you can pay a dollar or two for a new champ, or you can play the game and earn points. And honestly, I've ne- again, I've said this on the show before, I've never spent a dime on League of Legends. And I have every character I want. And I have, mm-hmm. like, 50,000 points just sitting there for any other characters I could want if they put out new ones that I want. Like, it's very easy to earn the amount of money to just pay for the characters with in-game currency. Basically, the only thing you have to spend money on in League of Legends is for skins. Right. If you want to make your your champ look unique compared to most other people in the game. <laughs> unique just like everyone else who bought that skin. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, so, and so here's the other part of it, too, is that you, know, you can look at this and be like, well, okay, it's not free to play, and they still are trying to charge you for characters, which is a little shady. But here's the thing. Here's the tactic that League of Legends uses to get people to pay for the characters. It's not that they can't afford them. What they do is when they release a new character, they release him so he's OP. So mm-hmm. he just destroys for like the first three months. And so everybody who plays League of Legends, they figure out very soon, that very quickly, that he's OP. They all buy him. And then three months later, when people have stopped buying the, the champ, then Riot nerfs the champ mm-hmm. to balance the game. And, uh, you know. Just make him stop wearing Ocean Pacific. Right. <laughs> So this could be no one. No this, one got that. Yeah, <laughs> that <was laughs> nobody knows what joke. Ocean Pacific is. <laughs> that was an old man joke. <laughs> no one, no one ever, no one watching this show knows what OP is. That <laughs> they definitely don't know what OP corduroy shorts are. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, you know, Ubisoft could very easily follow this model. Put out a new operator. The operator has some crazy gun that just owns, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm buying the operator. Like, in fact, this is probably exactly what Ubisoft well, look at that is going to do. Right? Exactly. Like that thing's awesome. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like they put out a character that just totally destroys. They leave him in the game yeah. for a couple months. They reap their money from it, and then and they, all of a sudden the flashbang timer, you know, is the cooldown different. goes up. Timer goes down. Yep, because, you know, they've already said they want this to be for eSports, and, you know, once you do that, you have to have your game balance or people complain. Again, it's just opening up the door for shady practices on a full-priced game. Like, I kind of get what Riot does, because they don't make money off the game. Mm-hmm. They have to make money off of purchases. Yeah. But you've already charged 60 bucks yeah, for this Yeah, like, I just think this is... I mean, I get irritated enough when that happens in, like, a cell phone game I paid 99 cents exactly. for. Exactly. But, like, it's... And 25 hours, dude, to earn it on your own? That's crazy. Like, that, there's a lot of people who won't play this game 25 hours total. Nope. Like, I'm one of, I probably won't play it at all, frankly. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I'm going to play it. I'm a huge Rainbow Six fan, and, like, I love shooters and whatnot. But I'm going to play it. But, dude, 25 hours per operator? That's crazy. And I'd, I'd be interested in playing, like, that, that shield guy. But, like... Yeah. Well, I think he actually is, comes with the base oh, game. He? Yeah. But like I just you know sixty bucks for that, and then you're gonna start charging five bucks for these other things. And like that's the other thing is like for for like you know because 
you know, one of the things about, you know, characters that have differences in games like that, like, one of the best ways to learn how to counter them is to play as them. Right. And, like, yep. understand how they work, understand what their weaknesses, their weaknesses are. are yeah. So, you're, you're not going to let me play as those guys, so, so I, you can't I don't understand how to come how back they against work. them, yeah. Right, so that's a big problem for me, too. I, I just, you know, and I'm not a big enough Rainbow Six fan to put up with that, frankly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the way this whole game has been handled, I just give a big boo to Ubisoft, because, you know, they were dicey about the campaign, people asked them about it for, like, a year, and they were like, oh, we're not ready to talk about that yet, because they didn't have one. Right. Instead so of just saying right out of the gate, well, this game doesn't have it, it's like, now, just in the last six months, they decided to divulge that, finally. And, you know, with this, and, like, I'm still gonna play it, like I said, I'm gonna swallow my pride and play the game, and I'll probably end up enjoying it, too, but as far as, like, how they've handled, like, the, the monetization of this game and just how they've handed out information about the game. I just feel like the whole thing's just been kind of shady, to be honest. Mm. So, I don't know. To me, a big boo and a jeer to Ubisoft on how they've handled Rainbow Six Siege. All right, Harris so now we're, gonna, now we're going to move on to another dicey DLC story. Mm. And this one is for Forza Motorsport 6. And so I don't know if you remember Forza 5 when it came out. And the reviews came out for that game. And most of the reviewers loved the game, but the one thing that they complained about was the microtransactions and how basically, like, the game was such a grind that even as reviewers, they felt compelled to spend money to get through the game because it was mm-hmm. just so grindy. It really took forever to get to the next level of things. Yep. Like that. And it got hammered in reviews for it. Like, literally, it probably dropped its score, like, a ton, ultimately. And Forza 6 aggregate. really didn't do that. Right. Well, no, here's the thing. So... Leading up to Forza 6, everyone was asking them. That was like the big... They eventually changed it for Forza 5, by the way. We, yeah. should, we should say, like, they listened to the fans and they went back on it and changed it. So, Forza 6 coming up. Everybody's doing interviews at E3 and at the preview events and blah, blah, blah. One of the questions every single journalist asks them is, okay, so what's the deal with the microtransactions? Oh, no, we're not doing it. We learned our lesson the hard way from Forza 5. We listened to our fans, blah, blah, blah. We're still buy Same those old cards. Bull cr- exactly. Still got the cards. So, the game comes out. Gets reviewed, get reviews great. I mean, honestly, one of the best reviews. Yeah, doesn't probably, feel grindy at all, really. Metacritic wise, that may be one, may be the best reviewed game of the year, other than maybe Bloodborne. But Bloodborne dropped a little bit towards Bloodborne the end as well. A little bit. I don't know. That, that might be up there. I don't. Know, Metal Gear was way up there. Yeah, yeah. So it reviewed really well. Like, and we look, we gave it a great game eval score. Like, it did real well on our side as well, just like everybody else. So I'm not singling anybody out or anything. So. Now, the game's been out two months, and this week, lo and behold, no announcement, no trailer, no nothing, all of a sudden, those microtransactions are back in Forza 6. Did they change the XP system? No, it's the same. And, they're, look, their option, the funny part is they've actually like, tried to hide them. Ah. Like, you don't see them unless you tap a button and they'll pop up. So, Matt, my question to you is, do you think this was a strategy all along, that they... Message that in all their previews and say it's not coming. And then, sure enough, the game comes out. Microtransactions aren't in there. The game gets reviewed, gets all its great scores, gets its Metacritic, gets all the hype, and then they do the bait and switch. Mm. And the microtransactions get popped in two months later. I'm sure that was part of the plan. I mean, nothing happens on, on that level on a game that costs that much from a publisher that big without being part of a plan. But they had said... Oh, here's another thing. They had said that they would never put them back in the game unless it was demanded by fans. Mm. Well, see, here's what I think. Cause, cause <laughs> Do you think there was an uproar for those microtransactions I to feel come like back? this is what would happen <laughs> if you asked them directly about it. I don't have any proof, but this is my gut feeling as someone who has dealt with enough PR in his lifetime. If you asked them directly about it, they would say, well, the game's been out for a while now, so we just wanted to give players the option 
to jump ahead if they wanted to in the game because now that it's been out and everyone has played it, if they just want to get to the cool stuff faster, we wanted to give them that option. And you know, as long they as they haven't it, even said anything yet, I'm sure. Way. Yeah, I'm they sure. They've not gone on the record thing. explaining why they showed up. Well, look, if as long as it doesn't make, if as long as they didn't rebalance the XP system to make it into a grind like Five was when it right. launched, like I'm okay with it. I just yeah. won't. I just won't buy anything. You yeah. Know? Like, but uh, I thought. I thought the card. I think the card thing that's in that and all the the, the Microsoft games this year are uh, is a little is sketchy enough. Oh, it is. But they're in every game now. I yeah. mean, Rise of the Tomb Raider has it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess technically that's a Microsoft game. All Microsoft's exclusives have the cards in them. Well, I mean, look, that game's coming out for PlayStation 4 next year. Will it still have the cards? That will be interesting to watch. Did Microsoft, like, patent that? Is that, a, is that <laughs> No. A... But, like, you know, Forza, Madden's Halo... Madden's cards is, for, yeah. for oh, yeah. but Madden, the... I think, actually is the one who really started the whole thing. That's... One of the, definitely one of the first ones I can think of. Other than that, or like NBA. Yeah, the Ultimate Team yeah. stuff. And then that went over to all their other sports games, and it's in FIFA now, and NBA Live, which and, is And MLB The Show has had it, for, had it for a long time. Yeah. Well, The Show is a Sony product, but... Right, but like that, I remember one of... One but of it's in every sports it. game, basically, yeah. is what you're saying. So can we both agree that there's no way in hell fans ask for these back? I would be very surprised. I, mean, I would be very surprised <laughs> if anyone asked for a way to spend more money on a game they'd already bought. Uh, yeah. And so, so Microsoft has gone against its word because it said it would only bring them back if the fans asked for it. And we know the fans did not. Who's going to take the time to tweet, email, or snail mail? Can I pay you five dollars? Turn ten and be like, be level hey, thirty. Will you please put the microtransactions back into the game? Like, no one's going to do that. Like, it's, they're just going to buy more cards. Yeah, I mean, basically they looked at the sales. <laughs> they're like, okay, it hasn't sold as much as we thought. How can we augment our revenue on this game? Looks like we're putting the microtransactions back in. Because I guarantee they made a ton of money. Because there's plenty of people out there who have money to burn, mm-hmm. who have no problem dropping a dollar to get past, like, a level or whatever. And that's what starts creating an uneven playing field, and we can go into all that again, but we're not going to. But, again, it's one of those things that just, like, opens the door for mm-hmm. other nefarious things to happen and to unbalance your game. And, and the, you know, going back to what you are saying about Rainbow Six, same deal. You know? You could make it so stuff you can buy with real money is OP. So you have a car that just like handles on a rail and like no matter how fast you're going around a turn it just sticks to the line and like doesn't spin out like it just gets dicey. Yeah. I think you know it's just that's how things are now. You gotta be you know there's kind of that it is crazy. impulse buyer beware. It know? is crazy how things have changed. Yeah. Like Putting a hard drive in a console, man. Like, I said it whenever it first happened. I'm like, this is a bad move. Like, well, I remember when people, people were mostly worried about, like, oh, people are going to release unfinished games and it's going to be And that's be, been like, the case? Okay, it has been the case, but the real, you know, everyone was worried about that being the big demon that yeah, this was yeah. going to open Like, the worst of, the of everything, yeah. And now it's like, oh, the actual demon was microtransactions. Yeah. And, and basically, being able to download stuff. a whole different form of psychological marketing warfare yep. that is waged against us now. And, you know, I you know I buy some, I bought some microtransaction stuff in my time and most of it was just like yeah it's fine you know I'll you just know what, get Matt? past the thing I have never bought one no never I just realized that I've never paid for a microtransaction well do you mean like microtransaction in terms of like oh jump ahead like quickly like anything or just like even like four dollars for like a expansion thing no like any DLC I've bought DLC but that's not 
a microtransaction. Those are like ten bucks or whatever. Right. But I like bought what, expansions my whole life. I used to right. buy them for PC but games. What's a, what's, okay, so what, what's a microtransaction? Just like one of these like weirdo like pay like two ninety nine. Like, like a cosmetic thing or, or a booster, something that mm-hmm. helps you get through a part of the game, something that gives you an advantage in the game. I've never paid a penny for okay, any well, of them. Okay, I've never bought one of those. I don't th- actually. No, I bought some. Uh, I bought some. Some. That's, I've never paid for a hat. No, I never bought a hat. I bought some packs in uh, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. Yeah. To get, like, some guns that don't suck. I wonder if there's any other sifters watching this that has also never, ever paid for a microtransaction. Like inter- like I'm a- shocked myself. I'm like, holy crap, I've never spent a penny on one. Like a non-expansion microtransaction. Yeah. Yeah, the only th- I mean, I've bought a couple of, like, things in phone games I bought a, about like the micro the mass but normally I will not do it in a game I already paid for yeah see I've never spent a penny on a mobile game for like candy none of that like I just I spent some money on Marvel Heroes yeah um, to get a couple of things uh, but yeah I, I it, see this the thing is like I don't mind it if the game is free and it's like oh I can pay five dollars to get this extra yeah, character yeah. or whatever because you feel like you're ripping them off if you're not giving right. them money it's so. like yeah so that's just you how you feel like obligated <laughs> But like the only game where I pay like a sixty dollar game that I also paid extra money for a transaction kind of thing that wasn't expansion content, I think was Mass Effect Three. Yeah, um, because Ma- I was kind of an idiot for Mass Effect Three. I won't judge. <laughs> but um, I, d- I don't find that very. I don't find it tasteful. Yeah, Gent- I won't judge. Gent- gentlemen don't do that. <laughs> People have to make their own decisions in life. But always bet with your money. Place your bets with your money. That's Usually you, you have to bet with money. That's yeah. true. <laughs> That's how you let the publishers know that you don't like something. Just don't spend your money on don't it. Don't buy the horse armor. Yeah, exactly. All That's right, what so started this all. <laughs> you're right. That is kind of, it's still like this iconic thing that yeah. people still talk about. Like we are right now. Like all the time. Still it's the horse armor. And then they had it in like the Phantom Pain. You could buy horse armor. Yeah. It's great. All right, let's move on to the last topic of the big six, which is the MPD report for October that came out this week. Big shocker, Matt Kyle. Was it? Well, first of all, Halo 5. The best-selling game of the month. That's not the shocker. Right. I mean, I will say I'm a little I mean, surprised. I, yeah, I, I didn't totally expect it to do as well as it did. Um, maybe I expected it to be number one, but it seems to have sold big numbers. I mean, definitely, what was it, the biggest launch week of any Halo game? It was the biggest launch for a Halo game ever. Yeah. And that, to me, is shocking. I would have thought Halo 4 would have hurt them more. I would have thought Halo 3 was the best launch week. Well, I think it was. No, they're saying Halo Five is the best launch yeah. ever for a Halo game. Yeah, but I think that wasn't didn't like wasn't there a period where like Halo like kept going up and up and up and then it just sort of tapered off after Reach. Well, Halo Four it went down. Yeah, definitely. And those so, the so offshoot, Halo Five, the offshoot beat, games. Yeah, so you like surprised Halo Five? And, so you surprised Halo Five beat Halo Three? Yes. Hmm. I'm way shocked. One, the hype level the hype level for Halo Three was just like. Nuclear. I'm a little shocked that there are enough Xbox Ones out there, I guess, to That's do what that. I'm saying. Like, there's several things that are having me shocked. Like, the install base of the console. I mean, look, you know, the install base for Xbox One is higher than the Xbox 360's was at the same point in its lifespan. But Halo 3, I believe, came out a little later in the Xbox 360's lifespan. Was, uh, two years after. So about the same, about I guess. the same. Yeah. So I guess maybe it isn't that surprising because the install base is bigger than that would be the, for Xbox yeah, maybe, One. Yeah, maybe we've just been conditioned to think the Xbox One isn't doing as well as we think it should be doing because of how well the PS4 did. That could be. But the other part of it too is just like anecdotal evidence. You know, the hype level. Like, dude, Halo just used to be monstrous. Like, it just used to be this franchise that everyone talked about. Like, you know, it was one of those games that I get a call from my random like casual gamer friends and be like, "So how's the new Halo, bro?" Like, 
Nobody called me about Halo 5. <laughs> Nobody. I didn't get any calls, no emails, no Facebook messages from, like, my uncle or anything. Like, that's always a barometer for me. It's like, how often do those people reach out to me about stuff? Mm. Like, they've been asking me about VR and Oculus and PlayStation VR, but they didn't ask me about Halo 5. But apparently my barometer is way off because this game sold through the roof. And granted, it was bundled in, and they include those bundle numbers in with the numbers and the sales for the game. And But I believe they did the same thing for Halo 3. So I am pretty shocked that it has done this well. And particularly with the reviews, because, I mean, it did pretty well. I guess it's sitting at like an 8.6 or 8.7 yeah. on Metacritic right now, somewhere around there. So it did good, but not like like Halo 3. Like, I think I gave that game like a 9.5 or something like that. And I think it deserved it. Still, in hindsight, it's a better game than Halo 5. Think about the True. Forge and all the stuff that was in that game. It's insane what was in that game. And you're still waiting for that stuff to show up for Halo 5. So... Huge for Halo 5, great for Microsoft, because what it ultimately amounted in is that Xbox One won October of 2015. It beat the PlayStation 4 in Q4 after the PlayStation 4 had a price drop and had Nathan Drake collection coming out in that month. That is huge, huge. And here's the other thing about it, Matt. I'm excited about this. The other part of it is that sales for last-gen consoles fell through the floor last month. Like, literally, they were holding steady, 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 and just literally dropped like a rock. And so, what you're seeing, I believe, is that a lot of people who were holding on to that Xbox 360, when they went to new gen, where did they go? Halo. They went to Xbox One. And so... I'm starting to think it might be a little bit of a turning of the tide. I think it's all, it's, the thing, I mean, I know you mentioned Nathan Drake Collection, I love Uncharted, but PlayStation 4's got nothing. I know. This fall. Like, they have, you know, But that losing. hasn't stopped it all this time. No, but now, against the Halo, I guess it matters. I don't, I wouldn't have thought so beforehand. You also got to think, too, but, though, that when you buy a console, it's not really just for one game. No. Like, like, I, I think last week we talked, we had a question from a user who said, have you ever bought a console for one game? And I said, yeah, the N64 from mm-hmm. Mario 64. People don't do that, though, and I don't usually do that either. Like, it's a right. long, you're placing a bet, a long-term but, bet. But, you know, here's the thing, like, for, I, I've had this discussion, maybe, maybe it'll come up during the Battlefront deep dive, but um, a lot of people on Facebook that I know, it's like, okay, who's going, you know, which, you know Xbox or PS4, like, who's, what, what for Battlefront, who's playing on Battlefront? Everyone's playing on the Xbox. Really? And people are, like, saying, like, uh, but PS4 has a higher resolution, it runs better, da, da, da. and if I was like, yeah, but all my friends are on Xbox. Yeah, I mean, I will say it's been a slow migration. Like, most of my friends from Xbox 360, I don't see on PlayStation 4, but Same. I still see them on my Xbox One. Same. But I'm like, because I don't really use my Xbox One to game all that much, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I watch TV. Well, I switched using to, it, to so PS4 always... for multi-platform stuff, and it's always, I'm like, where's all my friends on Destiny? They're all on Xbox One. Well, I mean, the good thing is that, like, I've made a lot of friends on PSN through Sifted. So a lot of the Sifted users and the Sifters have been, like, sending me invites, and so I do have, like, a great, like, friends list on PSN now. Before, I had, like, 30 people or whatever. So that has gotten better, but you're right. Like, as far as, like, the people who I know in real life... Mm-hmm. And are my friends like online? They're still all on Xbox One, and like they send me messages. They're like, "Dude, like you don't play like any games with us anymore because you know I play all my games on PlayStation Four now." So I don't know. To me, this is that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Like the fact that Microsoft won a month of Q4 with Sony 
dropping the price. That's a big deal, man. Sony dropping the price of the PlayStation 4. I don't know. Like, I'm starting to think that maybe, you know, Microsoft, I think, came out three weeks ago or two weeks ago and said, you know, we are counting on this Q4 of people moving from Xbox 360 to Xbox One, and they were, like, expecting, like, to do really well. And I kind of, like, blew it off and was like, I don't know, bro. I think most people have, like, moved on, and they moved on to the PlayStation 4. I mean, the evidence says so. But with these numbers, man, I don't know. Maybe they're onto something there. Yeah, I, I wonder if we're just seeing, you know, early adopters on PS4, people who waited, they're moving to Xbox. It'll be interesting to watch. Or they're sticking with Xbox, right. rather. Yeah. Brand loyalty is a hard thing to move away from. And like, the whole, you know, people got such a reliable online experience with Xbox 360 that I've, I've seen, like, people... Even though we had to pay for it. Right. But I've seen, and I have to pay for both of them. Right. But even like, even so, I'm like, no, the like the party stuff works better on PS4. Like a bunch of stuff works better on PSN now yeah. than it does on Xbox One. Xbox One is still trying to play catch up with a lot of the features Xbox 360 originally had. And they're spending too much but time. But people don't re- care. They're spending too much time redesigning like the yeah. the interface. Like I feel like I've gone through five different interfaces on Xbox One, mm-hmm. and there's still like base features that yeah. should have been there. How about just tell? There. How about just telling us when the party chat crashes? Yeah. How about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're not sitting there talking to nobody for five minutes before some, everybody realized like, oh wait, like the party stopped working. Like I hate that like, you know, they, they tell you, okay, plug your, your DirecTV or your cable receiver into our <laughs> Xbox One and I can't watch 3D content through it. Like, I know I'm a, like a small set of people, but it's like, dude, if you're telling me to like plug everything into my Xbox One and I do that and then I'm getting content cut out, like I love my 3D TV. I can't use it now. Like, because they won't do 3D pass-through through their cable connection. Like, it drives me crazy. It's like, I paid extra money for this TV because of the 3D. I realized it didn't go gangbusters mm-hmm. and become, like, the next paradigm shift that everybody thought it was going to be. So, I never thought it was going to be. So now you know uh, you know how that Crash Bandicoot guy feels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you are the one. Well, there's <laughs> lots of people with 3D TVs, but that's just one I, example. I forget I have a 3D TV sometimes. Right. Um, but it's weird that they wouldn't do that. No. Nope. Like, that seems like, like it, a they'll play. Here's the thing, too. Like, it didn't launch with this ability, but you can now watch 3D Blu-rays on it, and it'll work. But passing it through from your cable box hmm. through the Xbox One to your TV? Nope. Doesn't work. Yeah. And again, it's not a big deal. A lot of people will be like, oh, are you complaining but about that? But all the little things add up to exactly. a big deal on that yeah. system. And it's just like, why does it, you know, on the 360, I could check the achievement I just got in, like, five seconds and get back to the game and nobody knew I did it. Yep. And now it's like, I got to go out and I have to hold the thing down and it launches another app on the side and it compresses this. And then that loads up. I have to go over here and go through there. I have to figure out, remember how I get back and And then it posts it all on Facebook. And, I'm just, and, and like, <laughs> like, 30 seconds later, it's like, where are you? I'm just like, I'm looking at the achievements. They're like, do it after we're done. It's, yeah. just, you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. I don't understand. Getting bloated. Why you lost so much functionality on that system when everything you know all i had to do on the 360 was tap the thing blade comes up done in i'm good i got my information i'm out like why does it why do i have to open another app because it's so slow yeah but see all those 360 owners don't know that yet matt true so it'll be interesting to watch a lot of the xbox one owners i know that were 360 diehards won't admit it yeah like they're like no it's fine it's just like it's not fine (laughs) it's not it's it's a huge step back in many ways and it was worse at law i mean it's better now for sure but it's just, it feels so, I mean, not that PSN is perfect by any means. I mean, it's, you know, it has its own problems. But, like, 
Because I was totally fine with like the original Xbox 360 blade system. Yeah. There's so many blades. I can just tap right or left and it just whips fine. through them. Now or it's like, like all this crazy convoluted. Or just I still don't get little like just basic things like when you join, you know, party chat crashes sometimes. Yeah. It just happens. Like yeah. it happens on both systems. It's yeah. fine. It used to happen on the 360. But when it happened on the 360, you got all those messages like said everybody left chat. Right. And now Xbox One doesn't tell you that. And you're sitting there talking and there's nobody there. Yeah. And how come you like I just don't don't get you know little things where like why doesn't the PlayStation 4 tell me when my friends sign on? Right. How come it only tells me when they join parties? What the right. hell is that? Yeah, like, why, no, why do really I care dumb. if they join a party? I don't like, care either. Like what does that mean? Why do they want you to join parties? So I don't bad? know. <laughs> and how come how can I join a party if I don't know people are on? How am I supposed to make a party if I don't know anyone signed on? You're is right. It, That's a good like, point. I don't understand like the the, the functionality. <laughs> like, not like the basic like way the thing works. I just mean like. Moment-to-moment functionality changes from the last-gen systems that just make no sense to me. Like, why would you leave that out? I agree. All right, got to move on. We're spending too much time on number one. Number two is NBA 2K16. That game is selling like hotcakes, literally. Not like surprising. It is selling. It is surprising to me. Is like, it? Yeah. yeah. I, just, I just figure something that pretty is always going to It is just destroying. Out. Like, I mean, there's, those games have done pretty well in the past, but it is just destroying. Like, it is selling like mad. So... I, Props to 2K, man. <laughs> that game, they've marketed it very well, apparently. Maybe more uh, more sports-focused gamers are adopting the new systems. That could be. Uh, number three, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I was actually surprised to see it in third. Yeah, I thought that would be lower, especially after that report from the UK. You mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it did not do well its first week in the UK, but it looks like it's done all right in the States. Yeah. Definitely some brand loyalty there, and I think the, the not... <laughs> The, the sky is falling reviews for once. You know, this is the first game in a couple that people haven't said that it's a complete disaster. So mm-hmm. I think that may have helped it out. Obviously, with Assassin's Creed, they need that game to stay at third for the next, like, three months for it to make its money back. So yeah. it might, might be time to... I, I really feel Assassin's Creed is overdue for sort of a, a circling of the wagons. Yeah. And a, uh, a you know, kind of a, a thought of, like, where are we going to go now? Yep. And look at Shadow of Mordor very closely. For sure. Yeah, they could learn some things from that game. Uh, number four, Madden NFL 16. Two months hmm. after release. Football. Still. Football going to football. I'm surprised. Like, Madden had lost some luster, man. Like, How was it this year? You liked it okay, didn't you? It was, I, honestly, like, I felt it was riddled with bugs. Like, I was shocked at some of the review scores after I started playing it. I was like, why did nobody mention the fact, like, that it doesn't, like, save your franchise mode? And, like, not only just that, it was like, it would save it at first, and then you get, like, eight games into the season, and it would just decide to just lose your save. Mm. And you're just like, uh, that was just, like, 16 hours of my life that just disappeared into thin air. So, it plays pretty well, but it had a lot of bugs. Nobody mentioned those in their reviews. I don't know Mm. why. Um, it really sucks that you won't be able to lose your franchise mode in VR next year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Madden usually yeah. like disappears after the first month, and then it comes back in December when everyone buys yeah, gifts. The Super Bowl and for it to be there at number four, two months later, that's a big deal for Madden. So, or is it there's just nothing else out? Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? Mm. Number five, WWE 2K16. That game, the reviews for that game have been all over the map. 
I saw yeah, something. I've, I've seen like everything from worst wrestling game ever to best wrestling game ever. I saw a 9.5. I saw a 5.5. Definitely the most divisive game of this year as that, far as that, game, that game has been very weird in the sense because every time I look at my sift, like for, I remember for the reviews first hit, it was like a bunch of like this game blows. Yeah. And then like oh another shitty WWE game, to, and like maybe like late like the next morning or something, I hit the refresh on the sift. It's like best wrestling game ever. I'm like wait a minute, what's going on here? Here's like, one thing I noticed though: people who really are into wrestling and no wrestling hated it yeah yep anybody if you look at the reviews anybody who talks about how big of a wwe fan they are they railed it well i I actually went to a wwe uh (laughs) pay-per-view event uh the hell in a cell uh undertaker brock lesnar with some friends who got some tickets so Uh we went to staples center and it was sponsored by wwe 2k16 right around when it came out and when it would come out the audience would boo it really it got boos wow Oh, they knew. Well, there you go. That's back to what I was saying. They knew. All right, number six, FIFA 16. Don't really need to talk about that. That game has legs. It always will have legs. Number seven, Destiny the Taken King. Man, they really turned that game around. They, they really did. I mean, look, Activision's 10-year plan is starting to look like it's making a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I I wish it had launched in that form. Yeah. Because what, what I, you know, I pl- I've played it since launch, but like... Playing it after the Taken King came out, that's a different game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely the I game. I still don't think I'll go back and play it. I just no, don't have time. But. I, you should go back and just see what they did because it's such a better game now yeah. in terms of like presentation and, and balancing kind of the MMO elements with like actually playing the game. Yeah. And like it doesn't feel like the developers hate you anymore. I guess, <laughs> I guess would be how I say it. It's like it's not all beholden to random number generators and it's not beholden to, you know, Oh, you're gonna have to grind forever to get this thing you want because, like, they give you multiple paths to things you want. It's it's just it's a little more aware of how people what people have to go through to play a game like that. Here's my question about this though: Would do they do they sell it on a box copy? I believe they do. Yeah, but it's they all, do. It's like codes. It's like I think it's it comes with codes. So I was wondering how they got the numbers for this because MPD I don't believe tracks digital. I don't think they do, no. But they, but there is like a taking. I think they're going bundle. too soon. There's a bundle get... you can buy, and also you can just buy. I think you can just buy a bundle. It's like the it's the other two DLC expansions, and the Taking King. It's just codes. You know, yeah. GameStop sells like codes and boxes, right, right. basically. Yeah. Um, I think something like that. So that would count gotcha. as retail as well. Impressive for Destiny, that far after its initial launch to be back in the top ten in Q4 of 2015. Yeah. Number eight, Yoshi's Woolly World for the Wii U. The only Wii U game, Super Mario Maker, not on the list. That's a I haven't thought of that, and that would be wow, out of the top ten already. Yeah, not a good sign. I think I read somewhere that it was like right on the fringe. I wonder like if it'll come back for Christmas or something. That seems like a good Christmas game. Yeah, I could see it maybe popping back up in December. Nintendo's games generally do sell pretty well in November and December, but to see it fade that quick, probably not good, especially when you're looking at like FIFA or Madden, which True. came out like months ago, or Destiny even. Yeah. <laughs> or Yoshi's Woolly World, for that matter. I mean, it's well, just we... pretty much a derivative side-scrolling platformer. Yeah, well, we could, let's move on to the collection of games that are all multiple years old. <laughs> exactly, like <laughs> Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection. Mm-hmm. Coming in at nine, I feel like Sony's got to be a little disappointed with that. Well, that's the thing we forget about Uncharted is like, while it's a critical darling and it's a great piece of work, like, it never really sold that it way. Never, they, right. they sell it about a million copies, well. you know, and like that's not actually pretty all that huge now. And like there was that thing where they, you know, they said uh, their marketing research or something indicated that like eighty to ninety percent of PS4 owners had never played an Uncharted yeah. game. So part of this is paving the road for Uncharted Four to show people why they want to play this thing. Did you see this week? I think it was yesterday. 
It came out that Naughty Dog said that they expect to release one or maybe two more PlayStation 4 games before they're done. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Short I mean, is this console going to last for five years? Like, is it going to be like an old school console cycle for PlayStation? Frankly, I think they have to. I think they. I think both companies biffed it when it came to the hardware build on these machines. They're too weak. They're 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 going to be outpaced by PC PC versions so fast, and they're going to. But I mean, there's no way we would have spent more than like. 500 bucks. No, I mean, they I mean, proved that with PlayStation well, that's 3. What, what I mean is, like, I, it, the, the irony of it, just the way, the way, like, things were developing, the way hardware was, was, you know, going, I think they should have waited another year. Yeah. And just um, wrote out the PS3 and Xbox 360 another year? Pretty much. I mean, sales were dying, though. They were, but there's, you know, it, one way or the other, like, you, now they're stuck with these consoles that can't quite do 1080p. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know the PS4 does it better, but then and the Xbox, of course, the Xbox much more because it was hamstrung by the the fact they wanted eight gigs of RAM in that thing to run all those multimedia features nobody right. uses anymore, and and all the Kinect stuff. So they picked slower RAM because it was to keep the cost of the system Cheaper, down. But yeah. now you're you know it has trouble keeping up. Yeah, just you know not much. I mean it's it's still functional, but it's like. That's one of the, you know, you see that that, uh, that OS is so slow. That's crazy. Think about how many games Naughty Dog put out for PlayStation 3. Three? Just Uncharted games. Yeah. And then, and then Last of Us. The Last of Us, yeah. And so they're saying, okay, we're going to put out two, maybe three for PlayStation 4? Well, I mean, do you count Last of Us uh, PS4? Remastered? No, I don't yeah. count that. And did I don't, they, really, do I don't count house? this either, because they didn't make this one. Yeah, they so. did. Bluepoint did this one. <laughs> um... I, well, I mean, it was presumably it's Uncharted 4, uh, Last of Us, and whatever replaces Uncharted yeah. in their stock, in their stable. Uh, and I guess I guess they're hedging their bet on, like, who knows how long that's going to take them to make. I was just surprised. I mean, I was like, okay, maybe... But well, I cannot see PlayStation 4 being five years, because it's so successful, man. I just don't see Sony bailing on it in five years. I just don't. That's only, like, three years from now. Well, it also makes no sense to bail that fast. Well, because the this, this system is, what, two years old? Yeah. Let's say PlayStation VR takes off. Yeah, You're, are you instantly going to turn around and like make people buy a new system? That's what I'm saying. Like, will PlayStation what... VR work with the next system? It better. It, could, it should better. Yeah, I mean, it should be just like Oculus. Like, yeah, it, just it should just be a display a device. Lo- right, exactly. And um, I'm assuming it will. So, but then by then, you know, Oculus will be at like Rev three or whatever, and PlayStation VR will look old and clunky. But yeah, and that and that also begs the question of like. So what's is Naughty Dog going to do VR stuff? Is any of their stuff going to be? I don't VR? know. It also begs the question of how do you rationalize Naughty Dog spending so long making its games? Because want, it, look, if Uncharted sells like a million or two per release, like how do you rationalize that as Sony? I don't know. I what? mean, look, it's look, their games are feathers in Sony's cap in a lot of ways. It's like look at what our machine can do. Team Eco hasn't put a game out in 11 years. <laughs> like I don't know what they're doing over there. I don't know what Sony's doing over there. It's yeah. like I, there's a couple things from just like you haven't done anything in 11 years. Yeah. It's Shadow crazy. of the Colossus came out in 2004. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And they keep them around. Think about everything that's happened to you since 2004. I wish I could have found a job where I didn't have to produce anything for 11 I years. Know. I still kept my job. <laughs> you said to draw the same fucking cat bird over and over again. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number 10, Rock Band 4. So here's the thing. Rock Band 4 came in at 10. Um, Guitar Hero Live is 11. Mm. And Guitar Hero Live had a week less of sales. Basically, Rock Band 4 came out in the middle of the month, and then Guitar Hero Live came out a week later. So 
Guitar Hero Live pretty close to even. Yeah, and right. Guitar Hero Live really only had like a week of sales in October, mm. and it came in at eleven. So I don't think the guitar game is dead yet. No, I think I mean it's not going to set the industry on fire like they did before. But clearly, there's an audience. There's an audience there. There's a market there. Now you know what it is, and you can budget and plan accordingly for your guitar games from here on out. They also said too that if it was actually if they ranked these by revenue, that Rock Band Four would have been way up high. But this mm. is actually just by like unit, like unit sales. Sold. Yeah, you're not counting the fact that like Rock that Rock, rock Band costs like 150 whatever. Yeah. yeah. So revenue wise, it did great. So it looks like it's here to stay, man. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I I, I missed those games. You know, I don't I don't play them obsessively or anything, but it's nice to have those those games around. And yeah. it's nice to have something to do with my damn guitars again. Yeah. Um, overall, the industry sales are pretty much flat month over mm-hmm. month, year over year, pretty much flat, which is a little concerning. But I feel like if we get those numbers in November, that's a cause for alarm. In October, not such a big deal. Yeah. If this month comes and goes and we don't see a little bump in increase in revenue... Well, I mean, you're seeing... You, I mean, Fallout 4 is already... Crazy numbers. Yeah. Uh, Black Ops Three is going to be crazy numbers. Battlefront is going to be crazy. It is. Um, yeah. The numbers on. I mean, I don't know about system sales, but the software sales for this month, I think, are going to be through the roof. You got to remember, it's going to take five or six games to equal a console, as far as revenue is concerned. Yeah, but I think profit margins are are lower on the consoles. Yeah, I'm just talking about over revenue, say overall revenue, mm-hmm. like driven by the industry. So, overall, pretty good month. Not bad for a warm-up. I mean, it's not a holiday yet. I mean, there's some big games in here. No yeah. doubt about it. Assassin's Creed, Halo 5. Those are big deals, so... Apparently bigger than I thought they'd be. Yeah. Halo 5. <laughs> I mean, I, I really didn't know if it was going to hit number one this time. Yeah, it did. We'll see. It, it will be interesting to see what happens in November to Halo 5. Yeah. Once Call of Duty comes out, and it's got that Hulk. to deal with. And I think Fallout might steal a little bit of its... I think Battlefront I mean, will beat it, too. Yeah. I, I think... I don't know. I think Battlefront might be number one. We got to remember Battlefronts on every platform. Yep. And you know, well, I, I don't I mean, think it'll be number Black, one. You think it'll beat Black Ops? I think it might. I'll bet you money on that one. <laughs> How much money? Five bucks. All right. I think it might. <laughs> I think you're wrong. Nothing beats Call of Duty. Not even Battlefront. Not until something does. Yeah, that's true. That's that used point. to be the rule for Halo. Yeah, that's true. We'll see. Halo's only one platform though. It's kind of hamstrung. Yeah. All right, so it's time to move on to our trailer of the week. I have to say this has been the worst week for video game trailers since Sifted <laughs> launched. Literally not even close. The worst week for video game trailers. Uh, we would have shown, obviously, probably Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess because that was really the best trailer of the week, or at least the most important one. Uh, but since we wanted to show that for our discussion, we couldn't choose it for our trailer of the week. So instead, we chose EA Sports UFC... Two, the only real debut of this week. It's the first trailer. It's really short, and it features someone who just got her ass beat. Let's roll it. <laughs> EA Sports are almost like a cultural barometer. You can really see what's going on with sports at the moment. The the games that I played growing up, I remember them as part of my childhood and part of like how I saw the world at the time. As a gamer myself and growing up um, a little overly obsessed with video games, it's, it's pretty surreal to be on the cover of a game myself. To have a woman on the cover of a UFC game, it shows a lot of progress. I'm really happy to be involved with that. Matt, so I think they may change the Madden curse to the EA curse. Oh, yeah. Think- well... They announced now her. That Rousey, uh... <laughs> they announced she's the cover athlete yeah. for this game, and literally, like two days later, 
Yeah. She gets a foot to the throat. I think the uh, I think the groundwork for that failure was laid long before the cover announcement. Yeah, yeah. But, when uh, she started talking about doing movies and stuff like that. Yeah. A little yeah. too busy being famous, not busy enough training. Yep. Uh, against Huge upset. her very, very, very powerful opponent. Yeah. People a kickboxer. Yeah. She learned a valuable lesson this weekend. All right, so our deep dive this week, as you might have guessed, is Star Wars Battlefront. I'm going to preface this by letting you know, you guys probably already know this already, Matt is one of the biggest Star Wars fans that I know personally. I thought I was a big Star Wars fan until I met Matt. He knows more about Star Wars than anybody I know, period. And so he's a great person to talk about this game. Um, Matt, you've been playing it for how long? Um, Not counting the beta, which I probably played for like seven or eight hours. Uh, Well, here's the thing. I bought it digitally on PS4, and last night when the digital... Oh, yeah, share this story. Oh, yeah, when the digital deluxe and ultimate versions went live on the PS- PSN at 9 p.m. Pacific, uh, it didn't work. Basically, the PSN store was not acknowledging that people had bought the game, and I was one of those people. Uh, and so it took four and a half hours for EA to fix that. And around 1 a.m., it started to finally work. Uh, so I uh, played it a little bit last night, played it a lot this afternoon... Uh, so probably about seven hours total. I'm like level 12 or 13. Um, I played every mode at least once. Um, I played some of the single player content, which is really just kind of stopgap, you know, stuff with bots. Remember last week I said it didn't have a single player, and you kind of bristled a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, it does. And it I has like, single player stuff, really. but it's real. It's really co-op stuff. Yeah. It's really two player. Co- it's like the. The old um, Spec Ops stuff from uh, Modern Warfare 2, basically. Yeah. Like, you can play each battle, and it's like this weird thing where, like, every time you kill a guy, they drop a token, and you have to pick the token up to score, like bat- like Call of Duty used to yeah. do. Um, and, like, like, dog tags in yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, exactly. And, um, kill confirmed. And then Horde mode. And then there's tutorial stuff, which actually does a decent job of explaining to you all the in- individual controls of various things. Uh, doesn't explain how Walker Assault works. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Um, I'm like, well, does it explain how the complicated Walker Assault seem, works? Does not seem to be a problem anymore because, uh, wow, they changed the balance on Walker Assault and the Imperials are fucked. Oh, now. really? Like, the, 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 the uplink things, like, charge, like, seems like almost twice as fast. Really? And, like... I have not won a match on the Imperial side of Walker Assault. Yet. Wow, and well, every, that's a huge shift. And it's always like you know they'll they'll hammer the the Walkers the whole time, and at the end, like I, earlier today, uh, I was uh, I was Rebels on uh, Hoth, and I took both Walkers down in one ion blast period with a snowspeeder with nah. like with the the wrap cable yeah, thing. Yeah. It was right at the end; they were about to blow the thing. I just went boom, and then boom, wrap and up. then wrap the second one also. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed this, but like you get sent off from the wrap animation, like at a kind of a random direction. And after I wrapped the second one off, it just sent me off into the mountain. It just, <laughs> it just rammed me into the mountain, and I died. And it's like victory. Dude, they've like, always been that way. It's ridiculous. Shadows of the Empire was the same way. Yeah, it's really hard to get a handle on wrapping up the the ATATs. So uh, I'm having a really I'm having a really good time playing it now that it actually fucking works. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know. I don't disagree with a lot of the reviews that are like, oh, it's kind of shallow. I don't know if it'll hold people's attention. Like, look, if it didn't have Star Wars all over it, would I be playing this? No. Yeah, because every pretty much every review, and this is actually a case where this game is getting the same review from everybody. Like, at a certain point, we just stopped curating reviews because they were all saying the same thing. They said it's it's a great Star Wars game, but it just doesn't have longevity. Yeah. I think everyone really... said around 10 to 12 hours, they just started losing interest mm-hmm. and... 
it's going to really hinge on what the expansions are, what they add to it. Some of the, you know, a lot of the modes are fun. A lot of them seem kind of throwaway. Uh, actually, I, I, I like the big I, you know, Walker Salt's cool. Um, uh, Supremacy is cool. Supremacy is kind of a, sort of like classic Battlefield a little bit, where like you capture basically there's three points in the middle. If you capture all the points, you can then capture the home base, and if you capture that, you win. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's a nice kind of push back and forth. It's a little reminiscent of sort of rush mode in the Battle Bad Company. Yeah. Uh, but then, and then, like my surprise favorite has been uh, the droid capture thing, where like you're, it's basically conquest. It's like you know, it's like control points, but the droids wander. And I love the fact that the con- con- the conquest points move. Yeah. So like you're never quite sure where they're gonna be. Right, right. And like you can li- and like the way you capture them is you run up like the like the drop pods in the beta. You run up and you activate them, and then like a counter like a timer runs, and if they if it fills up, you capture them. Right. So you can capture the thing, and then while that timer counts, like, you run off and do something else, and someone else can like come capture it from the other team. But like you don't have to stand near the point while that happens. So you can kind of active you know you know. Put your tag on the droid, and then everybody backs away. And when the other guys come to like capture the droid, you just hammer on them. And it's like there's a, it's just, it's just different enough from everything else I've ever played <laughs> that I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Well, little things like that make a big difference yeah. when you've been playing shooters for a long time. And the main thing I played probably most of all is Fighter Squadron, which is a you know very very simple you know dogfighting you know space fi- starfighter thing. But I will say this: um, as a fan of Wing Commander and all those games. Uh, there's a, apparently a whole generation that never learned how to play those games because I played five straight matches and I never died once. Wow! The whole time, and I was like, I was like 27 and 0 in these oh matches. Gosh. I mean, it was like it was embarrassing. So what you were saying last week, or maybe it was the week before, that this is going to be like a casual shooter where you can just go in and wreck shop. That's holding true so far. Uh, so far, I mean, there's some times when you know a lot of this game kind of hinges on. How good your team is. So like, there's places where like, okay, so you guys decided to let them all camp in the back of our base, and yeah. we're, they're just gonna shoot us in the back of the head when we spawn, and there's nothing we can do. But in general, like, usually you'll see like, each side will have like one or two really good people on it, yeah. and then like their scores will be like in the you know 20s and 30s, and then everybody else will get like three kills and 14 deaths. Right. You know? Right. So so far, I mean, that's not too unusual for one of these games like on launch day but yeah. like it seems a little more pronounced to me uh, and like the people who are good do you feel like you're better really at this good. game than you usually are at first person shooters yes yeah. for sure I am not a first person shooter expert by any means but I am clearly doing better than I normally do like I'm, you're doing I'm, better in this game than you would in Call of Duty I would think for sure yeah for sure I mean I'm routinely in the top three of everything no matter what and like that doesn't generally. I mean, it's been a long time since I played Call of Duty for seriously, but like, yeah. it's it, that didn't happen back then. Um, so I, I it would won't happen now because those no. guys have only got better. <laughs> no, now I watch Call of Duty footage. I'm just like, I'm dizzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really <laughs> like, fast now for sure. But so yeah, I think there's definitely a casual element to it. Um, but we'll see how long it lasts. You know, right now yeah, it's you said packed. something really important a minute ago. You said that if it if it weren't a Star Wars game, you wouldn't be playing it. No, because it's just another shooter. If you remove all this, if you, if it's you know, it's kind of a, a simplistic. I think someone compared it to Battlefield 1943, like the DLC only yeah. Battlefield game. It's not unlike that in terms of like it's. That's the vibe I got of it when I played the beta. For yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a maybe you're the one who said that. Maybe that's yeah. where I got that. But like it's that it, it's not a bad comparison. Um, you know, the longevity thing is a good question because right now I'm super like enthralled by the fact that like there's fucking blaster bolts flying everywhere and thermal de- a little too much with a thermal detonator span yeah. actually <laughs> um, you could maybe, maybe 
up the cooldown of that one a little bit. Yeah. But um, you know, and the, like the yeah, it's it, very interesting to see how like with the different you know they need more planets. They need a lot more planets. But like it is interesting to see the differences between like, you know, the Imperials have a little bit of an edge on Hoth because they're harder to see because they're all in right. white. Yeah. And on Endor, the Rebels have a little bit of an edge because they're harder to see through the trees. And the way you play on Endor is totally different from how you play on Hoth. And so yeah. like that's pretty cool in the sense that. The like Walker Assault on Hoth is just a totally different game, and I and I dig that. Like yeah. you know, there's. That's I, a problem, I just though, wish like, there was like twice as much of it. That look, that's a problem though. Like every map that you play should be balanced for each side because you just can't count on okay, everyone's going to stay together, and now we're going to go to Endor where we have the advantage. Mm -hmm. Like every map, every match on its own as its own capsule needs to be balanced. Well, right now I think, I, I'm not sure what the deal is, but like, you know, I played a lot of Walker Assault in the beta and the Imperials won like, you know, eight out of 10. All of them, I pretty say. much. I think I won one game as yeah. the Rebels. And they, I haven't seen them win yet so far. Well, that's and so, good. Well, it's not Whatever good they because, did. Like, because I think they broke it. Like, like you like, think they went too far the other way? Yeah, they, I think they, they, they swung the needle the other side. So like, I, think the, I think the Walkers are too easy to kill. Or the or either the walkers are too easy to kill, or the um, the uplinks move too fast. Because um, I mean, I, there were times when I spawned in the beginning of a game, and both uplinks were. I mean, I mean, you know, it's like okay, countdown, da 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 da, and spawn. And well, the uplinks could captured. be what causes the walkers to go down quickly because you have to sync all the uplinks before you can really start laying into the walkers. Yeah, but what I mean is like. We've lost every time I lost. It was we lost on the imperial side, and every time we've won on the rebel side, it's in the final stretch, and everyone just concentrates fire, and yeah. like they just go down. Like they go right. down, or the snow speeders take them out. Like you know, the snow speeder can take them out one thing, and that's one of the thing I think will change because right now I think nobody understands that if you hit a snow speeder with a good, you know, with not just a blaster really, but hitting a snow speeder while it's wrapping an at it knocks it because you have to you have to balance whatever, it in yeah. the in the little like meter thing yeah, yeah. and it knocks you out of the meter yeah. and so if you miss that like you stop the wrap yeah yeah and like people don't i don't think people know that yet well i don't think that they know how vulnerable that vehicle is in general yeah, the snow speeder is a walking a, a floating target it really and is if they have any air cover at all you're dead like, you there's can, no way conceivably just take it down with a blaster as oh, well yeah. like i yeah. saw a video online it was really awesome where a guy was fighting like somebody else on a cliff, and they meleeed him, and the guy flew off the cliff into the snowspeeder, and the snowspeeder just exploded. Oh, I was a Tie Fighter. Yeah, oh, the Tie Fighter. It. It yeah. Tie but I have seen the video where the guy, uh, where Darth Vader threw his lightsaber and destroyed a snowspeeder. That's awesome. And immediately after it, like it zooms in on the t on the chat, and it goes, just goes, "Fuck you, Vader." Because <laughs> <laughs> the That's guy, the guy in the Tie Fighter. Still doesn't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, he has no but clue. the guy who got killed by the saber saw it. Oh yeah, like, for sure. Great. And I, that's what's great about this game, right? Like, yeah. it lets you live out those fantasies. And I like that, like, all the different elements of the game play with each other with, like, just physics. Mm -hmm. And this is what the vehicle's capable of. This is how much damage it takes. It's not like there's any weird funky voodoo going on underneath the hood. It's like, if yeah. you... Yeah, TIE Fighter dies in, like, three good shots. Yeah, you know? like, I like that about it. And it lets you live that Star Wars fantasy. And it lets you, like, think about, okay... If I were piloting like a TIE fighter, like this is how I have mm -hmm. to operate because I can't take that much. And like that part of it I love, but even in the time I spent in the beta, like I could just see that it just didn't have the depth. And I said it, like when we talked about it, like after the beta was wrapping up, I said, man, I don't think this game has the legs. And now mm -hmm. it well, seems like it's starting to play out that well, way. Well, I'm wondering what, because all the time I played on the retail so at this point has been solo. 
uh, because by the time it worked last night, everyone I was going to play with had gone to bed. Right. So tonight I'll play with you know my friends and online and see you know my usual group and such, and we'll see you know everyone's like super hot to play it and like really you know like there's a couple guys I know who are like yeah I'm I'm with it through this expansions we're gonna we're gonna do it and I'm like all right you know I'm I'm in if you know if it's fun to play with my friends. That'll hold me in there, even if I think the gameplay gets a little stale, yeah. because it's fun to do all those crazy things with people. Yeah. Um, but like, if you just want to jump in and, and kind of you know lone wolf it the whole time, I don't know how long this game's going to hold your attention. Yeah. Hey everybody, if you want to ask any questions on today's episode, start sending those in now. I'm going to wrap up the discussion with Matt on Battlefront here. So if you have any questions for us, start sending them in. By the time the delay handles everything and we wrap it up here, we'll be ready to answer your questions. So get those in. So Matt. Would you recommend this for somebody to buy if they're not like a huge Star Wars fan? No, it's for Star Wars fans. Yeah, no question. Luckily, and I think I'm okay most, with that. Most people are. Star yeah, Wars most fans, people so, are. Yeah. Um, no, it's absolutely for Star Wars fans. It's for. It's also for Star Wars fans who like. We haven't gotten a decent original trilogy game in forever. Like, yeah. It's like it's almost been two generations since we saw these characters and these vehicles rendered. I mean, like that. Those adats look better, almost better than they do in the movie. I mean, I have like I have the advantage on this show of like the TV is right over your shoulder, so I can talk with you and I can still kind of see what's going on on the screen. And dude, this game is just stunning, man. It is. Like we're running footage of the PC version. I mean, it is just. It really is. It's just ridiculous. And it's like little things like the like the fact that the 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 shoe trails in the snow are accurate Uh and like. And the, the the uniforms get snow on them. Yeah, and like shit gets kicked up and stuff. Yeah, and, like, and the and this. I mean, I mean this shot right here in particular, where they're just yeah. Is just, but yeah. you also see, like look at that. The, it's just like it looks like a movie. Yeah, but also like the sound is. I mean, Dice does sound probably better, probably better than anyone else in the industry. I would yeah. say they're they're top three at least sound people in terms of existing studios right now and. Them being set loose on the Star Wars sound is crazy. Like, there's things. I saw on... someone today. IGN's review said the sound was terrible. They're wrong. No, they said the score was terrible. Score? The score, like the soundtrack. The music? Yeah. The, the original Star Wars music? Yeah. That's weird. Yep. That was like their biggest complaint. Okay. Literally, like that is like one of two like negative bullet points well, in IGN's review. You show me some John Williams music that you do like, I guess. I don't know. Oh what look, to tell I you played about it. That. Like the sound in this game is absolutely incredible. incredible. There's yeah. like there's on Endor, like there was I think it was it Walker Salt? Yeah, it was Walker Salt. On Walker Salt on Endor, and like like guys were like riding by on the speeder bikes, and they're making that howling noise that they made. and it's like and you could hear them coming like across the, the sound system, like from left to right and left right to left. And like you could tell where people were from where people were like shouting stuff. Yeah. And you could tell it could just be IGN's editor trying to be like super nerd. I have no idea what they're talking. Well, I have no idea what that guy's talking about. He, yeah. he played a different game than I did because like the sound on this game is pristine. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was. I played the beta. It was incredible. It was like probably the best sound, maybe the best sound I've ever heard in a video game. It's ridiculous. Like literally. It's what it's. You, they took. I didn't want to talk about the music per se, not but the, music, the but sound the effects sound design. and the mix and everything. Yeah. It was just boom. Just it, taking some of the best in the business and giving them some of the best sound effects ever done yeah. in any movie ever. And like you just like go crazy and they did and it's incredible. It's amazing. And that's what puts you, you know, they talk, you know, the battle fantasy thing is sort of, it's in the marketing, it's in everything on this game. And it's the sound that puts you there. I mean, yeah. it looks amazing, but it's the fact that you're surrounded by this sound mix that like puts you in that world that really sells it. Must buy if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, if you're willing to play... Are you waning at all, playing it? Like, what? are you starting to wane your interest in it? Starting no. to wane at all? No. no. And you're about 10 hours in? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I will play this for quite some more time, I think. I will probably eventually drift back to Fallout. 
uh, and then come back whenever DLC or expansions come out. What you're saying is early next year, is that right? I think so. I think, said I think January it, or February. January, Feb- I mean, if it follows the usual battlefield model, it's like January, February, and then month to month or every two months or something. Yeah. It's usually, they usually support them those games for like six months. Yeah. But so far, you're loving it. I love it. I mean, I don't disagree with a lot of the criticisms about the shallowness and like a lot of the modes are throwaways. Hero Hunt, by the way, is garbage. Yeah. That is the one <laughs> mode that I hated was Hero, hero Hunt, where it's like eight players. One player is a hero, seven players are hunting the hero, and whoever kills the hero gets to be the next hero, and you can only score while you're the hero. But what it turns into is just like whoever randomly gets the last shot on the hero, because everyone just sits there and shoots the hero. Whoever gets the last shot gets to be the next hero, and whoever gets to be the guy with the lightsaber next basically wins, because you just saber through everybody and you get like 20 points and no one can ever catch you. It should be just everybody gets a turn as the hero, and whoever scores the most wins the match. But uh, that the way that mode works now is bad. People will be disappointed by that too. Yeah, because that is one of those things that like they marketed really heavily, yeah. and people well, are really. There's another about. mode called Heroes versus Villains where it's three, all three, all six heroes are in. It. So it's like three players play the heroes, three players play the villains, and then th- other players play like bodyguards, like normal soldiers. Yeah, and like that's it. so they just go, you just go at each other with the heroes, and it's that one's a lot of fun. So because it also lets you learn how the heroes work. Right. Right. Yep, I'll be playing it. I got they sent us a review code literally the night before it came out, and I was Fun. like, "Yeah, okay." It's like pulling like the Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Yeah, I'm gonna get this mm-hmm. done for a review tomorrow. The Thanks. other thing about Battlefront, I think, is um, people who like aren't sure or you know are you unsure. Like, I think there's the Game of the Year edition on this thing. Once all the expansions are out, are is gonna be crazy amount of content. Like people who wait. I think you'll see another resurge of people that like jump in when everything's out and ready, and that'll be a great game too. Okay. All right, let's see what com- questions we have. Let's see. Do you still think Fallout 4 didn't affect Tomb Raider sales? Do you think the one-year exclusivity negatively affected its sales? Mm, I feel like Fallout probably cost it some sales, but not enough to really make it like a, oh my god, we fucked up kind of thing. I think most of it was because it was on a single platform and... Yeah, what was it like? Fifty-seven thousand sold in the UK of the of it, and like the in the first week, and the original, the first, you know, the last game was like one hundred eighty-two thousand or something. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big drop. Yeah, we even, even considering the platform cutting out two platforms. But um, to answer his question, I think the fact that people know it's coming out in a year for PlayStation Four will did yeah. and will affect it. Yeah, yeah. I think. It, I feel like once the PC and PS4 versions are out and everything's all tallied up, it'll be about the same as the first game. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I also feel like by then, like it, the interest may have waned in it. Like, I don't know. Do no, I think it, a Fallout 4 effect? I still don't think Fallout 4 really affected no. it very much. I still think they're entirely different audiences. Yeah, I think so. they're just in completely different weight classes. Yeah, but yeah, I do think that people knowing, like, if Microsoft could have somehow worked it out, so. They had to keep it under wraps that it was coming to PlayStation 4 eventually. I think it would have sold better yeah, than it has, yeah. for sure. Uh, let's see. It was, it was a nice try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was from Helters, by the way, that last question. Uh, let's see. With the, This is from This Is For Vidya Games. Uh, with the announcement of Pokemon Picross coming next month, do you guys think we will get Picross 3D2 sooner? It's a bit of an obscure question. I would say no. I mean, 
No. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why that would affect... No, it won't affect anything. Yeah. Like, they already have a schedule for Pokemon Picross. They have a, a schedule for po for Picross 2. Um, they're not going to alter that. They knew all along that they were going to announce Pokemon Picross at uh, this Direct, and so whatever plan they had in place is not going to be affected by it. It'll just go on as planned. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is Hifta doing a live stream hangout for the Game Awards? That's from Quiglin. Not a bad idea, That's Quiglin. not a bad idea, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll come in here and crack a few beers. Although I was invited to go. Where Did you get an invite to go? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I, didn't hate, I don't mean to bring it up on the show. I think I would feel bad if I didn't go, especially since it's in L.A. I think I worked for the competition too long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, actually, I don't think it's going to work. I think I am going to go to the show, because I think Jeff would be pretty upset if I didn't go. Periscope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, chances of that happening are pretty slim. I think I'm going to go attend in person. And it is here in L.A. Like, last year it was in Vegas, and I couldn't make it. Um, and I felt bad that I couldn't make it to Vegas. So if I didn't, like, drive, like, the 10 miles or whatever to go to this, I think I'd feel awful about it. Because Jeff deserves my support, and I should be there to support him. You know, I like that he's doing the DIY thing, obviously. I'm doing the same thing with Sifted, so I feel like people who are trying to do their own thing should probably stick together and support each other, so I'm going to be there for Jeff for his award show. Uh, let's see if there's anything else. Uh, do you think Microsoft is going to do something similar to the PlayStation experience? That's from Petamil. Um, they used to. Micro or yeah. it used to. Microsoft used to have an event called X, and every year would have it in a different part of the world. Um, and then it just stopped doing it. I guess it was four years ago? It was the last time there was an X. That sounds right. 2011, yeah. Yeah. And it used to do it, and it just stopped after a while. I think it just felt like what it was spending to do it, because I think it was also paying to, like, fly. Yeah, they were bringing people out. They were, like, paying for the journalist to fly wherever it was, and it was just a huge expense. And I think at the end of the day, they just kind of figured out what Nintendo's figured out, which is, like, reaching out directly to your consumers has just as much of an impact as doing a big event. Yeah. Um, I'd be surprised if Sony keeps doing the PlayStation experience, to be honest with you. Um, this is, what, the second year? Second year. Second year, yeah. On the other hand, like, I think part of the thing Sony struggles with in that regard is they don't really have a spokesperson, a face, you yeah. know? Like, you don't have a... Well, at least have a, cause, hurrah. Yeah, but, like, they don't... Now it's, like, who takes that... Play? Yeah, you, know, know. you don't have a Reggie, you don't have a Bill Trinan, you don't have a, a Major Nelson. Like, you... Yeah. You know, you don't have someone who can do that direct contact thing, really, right yeah, now. Right. I, mean, I mean, they could come up with someone, but then, you know, maybe they could have done it with Kevin Butler, but then they sued him. But... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's another one from Subliming Mass. Subliming Mass, I believe. Uh, should PlayStation PlayStation VR focus on fewer quality titles rather than lots of crap games? I feel 3D made a made a bad from lots of movies with bad 3D implemented. I'm not sure I understand that one. Mm. I guess I should get, I can answer the first part. I think I think it just means like there was that flood of 3D movies that were just like shitty post conversions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like it may give it, so he's basically asking the quantity over quality yeah. question. We need more avatars and not more Clash of the Titans. I would say this. I would say PlayStation VR needs a killer app. I would For say sure. Oculus needs a killer app. Both of them do. Mm -hmm. And you know, having a bunch of mediocre to crappy games is not the way to launch a yeah, platform. You're not going to be able to Wii Sports this one. No, I mean. 
So yeah, I would say they do need one, and I have not seen one, to be honest with you. But well, the thing I would say though is that no VR is kind of yeah, yeah. The other <laughs> thing I would say is that VR is kind of different in that the experience is kind of the killer app. Yeah, but you gotta pick the experience that people see first. It know? is really like, all inspiring though when you first try it. Yeah, like it is one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, like. And that is kind of a killer app, but it's like we were talking about earlier. Like, you have to find a way for people to experience it. Like, how's that going to work? How are they mm-hmm. going to go to Best Buy and try out PlayStation VR and Oculus? Like, we don't know. So, I would agree that probably quality over quantity is the right way to go. And it's like, look, Super Mario 64 launched the N64 all on its own. And it had a great yeah. launch. So, if they can find one game that can do that, I think that's the right tactic. But I'm kind of wondering because we haven't really seen it yet, and it's you know basically half a year away from release at this point. So let's see. We'll answer two more. Here's a quick one. How many episodes of Pactor Factor are shot at once? Uh, three or four, typically. It depends on the questions, you know. And again, the the quality of that show is driven by you guys. You, it's all about your questions. If if you have good questions. The shows are going to be awesome. If you don't think about the questions and you just throw out whatever comes to your mind first, the show's going to suck. And yeah. like honestly, like we were shooting the first round of episodes, and I was sitting there and I was thinking of like all these awesome questions, and I'm like, I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't just make a question up and be like, this is what we should be asking him, and then like create some fake name to like attribute the question to. So. If you don't like Pactor Factor, it's all on you guys. It's all about the questions you ask. Like, I can tell you right now that we're probably going to ask for another round of questions in about a week, a week and a half. So seriously, I'm not joking. Like, start thinking about your questions now and come out with some really good ones. Because the other thing about it is that, like, you guys get precedent over anybody else. Look, we ask for questions from Twitter and all that on the show. But the fact of the matter is, is if Sifters can give us enough questions to fill out all the episodes we're going to shoot... Every question will be from Sifters, period. You guys get precedent over everybody else. If you guys can nail down the questions and enough for all the episodes we're shooting, it will be all you guys. So take your time, think about it, send in good questions, and I guarantee you they'll get answered by Pat. Uh, let's see. Did you find anything, Matt? Um, no, I did like... Um, it wasn't really a comment, but uh, I did like Sigma Heavy Industries... I'm scared people are going to force existing gameplay types into AAA, like lots of half-hearted on-rail shooters because walking in VR is weird. Like, I, I, I sympathize with that. I definitely feel, I feel like there's a danger of, like, that sort of, you know, shovelware concepts masquerading as a AAA game yeah. kind of thing. Where, like, oh, well, it's just the only thing we could think of to do in VR because VR is so hard. You know, it's like... It's kind of, I guess, kind of like what I'm. You're seem to be expecting from the first round, and then people will learn from it, and EA won't learn because they're not yeah. doing it. But uh, yeah, that would be that's something I'm a little worried about. Is like that things will be mini game collections or like House of the Dead clones or something like that, just because it's going to be so hard to figure out how you control movement in that space. Yep. Uh, let's see. Giant Bomb's commentary over press conferences are great. They should be considered by other outlets. That's from Sigma Heavy Industries. We did that. We did Sifted Hangouts for yeah. all of E3. Every press conference, Matt and I sat here and basically chatted with you guys through the press conferences, added our own commentary over top of it. We mm-hmm. did it. And we'll probably do it again next year. People seem to love it. So uh, Let's see if we can find one more. <laughs> People volunteering to let you use their names for made-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I appreciate it. Uh, be, be my sock puppet. 
Let's see. Someone said the Killers and Snow Patrol played it live at mm-hmm. X2005. That was a long time ago. Uh, last question from Sleepy Droid. Do you think PlayStation VR will end up as PlayStation Move? Probably. <laughs> you really like, think so? I think there's a good chance. This, this, the thing is, like, end up like PlayStation Move in the sense that, like, oh, it like, sucked or it failed? Not necessarily. End up like PlayStation Move and, like, it doesn't do exactly as, what Sony wants it to do, and so Sony does that thing where they always do where they sort of back away and quietly forget about the peripheral. Maybe. I, mean, I, I would. So. I would hope that they I think put, they, put, they put way too much money into this to just set it uh, out to die. I think they put a lot of money in the iToy and the PlayStation Move as well. This is probably Nowhere bigger. near this, though. I, I mean, you got to realize that VR is a huge undertaking. Like, the R&D that they put into this, just to make sure that they've found the right balance of, like, how much are we going to pay for the screen? How much are we going to pay mm-hmm. for the processor? Just that I just hope they're. I hope they are on board for the long haul, because that's the thing is, like, if it doesn't work right out of the gate, they got to make it work. Sony's got to be patient. Yeah. yeah. But I think they will. I mean, they're such a huge Batman. Like, I just... So, I hope so. So Matt Otherwise, says maybe. I say no way. It'll No matter what, I feel like it's going to be supported way better than PlayStation. I will never put, like, the thing that I would never think Sony would be dumb enough to do past Sony yeah. at this point. I've seen them do too <laughs> much. I was in the third row center for the 2006 uh, E3 press conference for 599 US dollars and... You know, you know, ma- weak spot for massive damage and all that. And I remember sitting there, just like I don't, I. It was like it was like being on drugs or something. <laughs> it really it was. was like, I could yeah. not. It was just I, I could and like I couldn't imagine. It was, it was it was like reality had broken. I, just I the whole no ridge race. Ridge just the racer. whole thing was so was bizarre. Like, <laughs> just what's going on? And I just somebody I also, spiked the punch backstage. Yeah. I remember at some. I don't remember what exactly what point, but I just remember at some point Adam Sessler turning to me next to me and going, "Oh my." God. Yeah, it was a train wreck. <laughs> it was just it like, really what was. is happening? Yeah. So they've gotten, they've turned it, you know, they've turned it around this yeah. generation. They, you know, they they learn from their mistakes. But uh, the move is still one of those things where it was like, you know, I don't know what they could have done to make the move work. You know, it was no, kind of it's too late, really. Well, they didn't you know, support the, the fad, software. They didn't support the software, and also the fad had kind of come and gone. Yeah. You know, but I hope the VR will be different. We shall see. We're we're definitely hoping it does better than move. I think both yeah. of us will agree to that. <laughs> And I think we'll both be on board. We're probably both going to buy it as well. So I kind of have to. I don't yeah, have a we'll choice. See. <laughs> I might just use yours. I'll wear the shower cap. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Like I said, make sure you guys jump on the forums. Make sure you join the Sifted community on PSN. Uh, like I said, Gifted will be up very soon. So you guys can buy subs for your friends and relatives, people you'd like to get in on the site. Or if you're uh, a trial member watching this episode, you can always request it from people for Christmas. Hopefully this program works really well for us, but we shall see. Again, start warming up those questions for Pactor. Uh, make them as good as possible. It'll make a world of difference in the show and the quality of the show. And ultimately, it will make Sifted better because we use that show as promotion on YouTube after a week's delay to get new people to check out the site. And it's been working. We've got yeah. a bunch of new people, new signups, new subscribers just from Pactor Factor. So... Everybody have an awesome week. We will be doing, by the way, a Game of the Year episode of Game Face. Probably second week of December. Yeah, somewhere. I think, yeah. Tony, what, what's the last week that you can do a show? December, like, 12th? 14th. 14th. So it looks like December 14th will be our last show for the year before we all leave to go away for the holidays. Um, I'll probably be here in L.A. for another week before I go home to the East Coast. But the rest of the crew will be leaving. So our last episode of the year will be December 14th. And that will be our Game of the Year episode, where we lay out our Game of the Year picks. 
Uh, we'll also, we will do a final check-in yeah, on... Yeah, we got to dig up that fantasy thing fantasy. you and Marcus yep. did. That'll be it. We'll add up the scores and tally them up and see who won, Marcus or I. Uh, I again, I haven't even, like, checked. I think I might be winning... I don't remember a really damn <laughs> thing about that. I, I really That's because you were too busy running the TriCaster. Yeah. Anyway, everybody have an excellent week. And again, thanks to all you guys who watch it live. Without you, the end of the show would be really dumb. So everybody have a really good week. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out.